This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, hold on, Lenny. We got breaking news. According to Les Bowen. Les Bowen. Doug Peterson will be the Eagles coach league source confirmed. There it is. So, okay. Wow. How about <laughs> so that? So it's not going to be Shermer. According to Les Bowen, he is tweeting out that Doug Peterson is going to be the next Eagles coach. It is 8 a.m. We are broadcasting live from the Xfinity Studios, only from Comcast. Speed GN Radio right here on 97.5. The Fanatic, John Barcher, James Zeltzer. In for this morning, James Zeltzer, as you, of course, heard breaking the news on the Mike Missinelli Show this week. How about that? I gave one of the wows. Uh, Anthony Gargano wow. kind of wow there. Yeah, it was it's exciting. I got, I got a chance to break the news. It was, uh, well, Les Bowen. Congratulations on breaking the news. But got a chance to, to tell at least some people Doug Peterson was going to be the coach. It was, it was neat. But uh, real quick, before we get into this, I just want to let you know, I, I've confirmed Andy Reid will not be managing our clock oh, okay, good. for this show. So we should be in pretty good shape moving forward. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, wow. What did it, what, I mean, it was... It went from like one insane game to finish it out tonight. I mean that Arizona Green Bay game was, Wild. was crazy. Wild. Whatever whatever you want to say with uh, you know, Larry and Aaron Rodgers basically throwing what, sixty yards off his back foot for a touchdown to the and end of the regulation. Yeah, can you remember a team having two more like iconic Hail Marys in the same season? No, uh, never. Uh, who, how does that ever happen? It was insane. And I'm actually, uh, we went, uh, my wife and I went to a birthday party last night and we were watching at a bar before the end of the night before we came home. And we're like, all right, we'll leave in it. We'll leave in a minute. We'll leave in a minute. Oh, oh hold on. You know, one more play. Five seconds. And my wife turns to me and she's like, yeah, there's no way they're going to get it. And I'm like, yeah, we'll leave in a sec. Throws it up and the entire bar is just oh, crazy. <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was wild. Uh, you know, that's without. And anybody, that's Jeff Janis said like yeah, what, that seven was his, catches, yeah. hundred and some odd yards, and lost Cobb, and then it's just yikes. Uh, Eddie Lacy rumbling <laughs> sixty-one yards and whatnot. Did, did his famous unexpected. slide to the ground spin move, which was uh, impressive, and uh, am I going to get tackled? The uh, type of move, but yeah, between that and then just the first game of the Andy, and I know a lot of people were, and trust me, we got tons, of, tons and tons to talk about, especially with Doug Peterson, the process. Uh, where we've kind of been, and especially on the podcast, I know we touched on a lot of these things, but we're, we're going to come out with a couple of different angles this morning here. But uh, I, I think, well, first of all, I mean, 
huddling up in a two-minute drill when you're down first and goal and wasting a minute and 37 seconds or whatever. Do you have the drive scenario? I, uh, yeah, from I, okay. have the, I have the just the Here's general. The yeah, here. the general. Okay, so they get the ball with 6.29 left to play, down two touchdowns with all three timeouts left, which, you know, that in and of itself is amazing that Reed had all three timeouts left in that spot. Uh, okay, ready? So you're down two touchdowns with six and a half minutes left, a five-minute and 16-second drive to Ugh. score. The worst part, though, is so they have the ball on the one yard line with two minutes and 33 seconds left and three timeouts. So they have the two-minute warning plus three timeouts, four clock stoppages, and the ball on the one yard line. They gave the ball back to the pads with a minute 13 left. First of all, he <laughs> ran the ball. So they 233, they run a play, they run the ball, and then don't get another playoff before the two-minute warning. Yeah, uh, it's it's atrocious. It it is so bad. And and look, Andy does great stuff, and and you know, he's we're not just this isn't always the case, but we've seen this. I mean, it felt a lot like that Super Bowl against Belichick when you're down. It didn't you know, feel 10, like it. It wasn't. Well, I was down twitching. 10 points I was having and, flashbacks. Just like no urgency, no, you know. Uh, knowledge of of the situation of the time, yeah, it was it was crazy. And look, and this is the, this is the thing I'm going to say with the with this coaching search and with Doug Peterson now officially, I'm, I'm guessing we're probably here at some point today or early yeah. tomorrow. There's going to be a press conference set up. Um, I I think we get trapped into uh, well, that's the offense that's coming in here. And look, a lot of that is going to come here. And guess what? Last night. That was boring. Oh my god, so boring. And, and look, and, th- I think missing Macklin was huge, but sure, yeah. and, and 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 sure. And there's wide receiving core issues there. They bottled up Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. easily, They're just yeah, like Belichick, Belichick always yeah. does. I'm going to take out your best player. And guess what? Andy Reid still can't beat you know Belichick in. And in even a, that, no one can either. I'm not saying. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But even then, it was still boring. Like even boring for that situation for the personnel. It's. I mean, I, you know, they don't throw the ball more than five yards down the field, and and it's, you know, it can be effective and it can be safe and it can protect the ball, but you know, just really, really, really uninspiring to watch that and think about watching that type of offense for the next few years. But what I'm going to say is, we we are not able to judge what exactly Doug Peterson's offense is. It's not Andy Reid's, or at least. We hope it's not fully that. We don't know if Doug Peterson has this clock management issues the same as everybody else. Yeah. But they're a part of that staff. There's everybody on that side too that's that's in there and I'm sure that you know, you could you could make the argument for the for the, a lot of the defensive guys. I mean, they kind of really let down. Their game plan got blown up, but regardless of all that, I I don't think it's you know, I still don't know what Doug Peterson does, and that's been the issue. That's been the whole thing that everybody's talked about this week. Well, I can't possibly judge Doug Peterson because he hasn't done anything yet. But you can start to at least look and go from the search, from everything that's leading up to this, from basically what the, the type of West Coast operations that they're going to bring in here, whether that's bent a little bit with Sam Bradford or how, however it's going to end up, whether it's Childress in here, whether it's Shermer in here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm tired of using the word uninspiring. I'm just going to call it what it is. I think this is going to be bad. Yep. You know, I think this is going to be bad. That jo- Can you teach me how to do yeah. it? Yeah, oh. there it is. No, that, that's going to be, honestly, that's going to be the most fun part of the Doug Peterson term is, is being able to use the Dougie like that. But I'm with you. I said this yesterday, and, and when you really think about it, and 
And I've done it too in thinking about this hire and talking about it, and, I, and I've ripped the process. And we're going to rip the process because it deserves to be ripped. <laughs> six interviews. Six interviews. Your, your extensive due diligence. I know they didn't say extensive, but implied that they're going to really, you know, go into this. They in, interview six people, two of which are already in the building. And, and Deuce, I'm sorry. I don't know how you look at this as any other way than he was Rooney ruled. I mean, I, I don't know how you read well, it any other way. To say on that yeah, too, yeah, so we'll get to that. But then, so two of the guys are in your building. Dues and Shermer, you know them. Peterson, you know. So you interviewed three guys who you don't know. That that's not due diligence. That's not an extensive search. So, uh, but uh, taking that aside, I think when you just look at the search itself, the people making the search, the front office situation that this guy is walking into, we've heard a lot of who knows what Doug Peterson's going to be, and that's fair. But when you look at who put him there, the situation he's walking into from a front office perspective, and his serious lack of experience in terms of NFL coaching, he has, he's only been, what, seven years ago, he's coaching in high school. That's his only head coaching experience. You put all that together, if you had to take a bet, it's very likely that this is not going to work out. And, and the other thing, too, is like I understand that there are a lot of people who are upset in one direction or another. But if you were one of the people that wanted Chip Kelly fired, this is I don't know how you can be upset right now. This is what you wanted. You know, I this is this is what you wanted to transition to. An NFL guy, you wanted to get rid of that college yeah, yim yamin you know, BS or whatever. So listen, I understand that like maybe it's not a bigger name or it, you thought the Eagles would handle the process better, but this is what it looks like. And this is this is the kind of feel that I get when you're gonna move on from Sam Bradford. And I've kind of gone back and forth with that now since Doug Peterson's been announced. I have, I have a lot of different thoughts that are going back and forth to that. But let me get to the process just for a second because I know we've, you know, it, it, I think it's important just to, to re-examine this just for a moment. When you fire Chip Kelly, it didn't seem like it was planned. <laughs> because, no, and you heard it Larry emotional. Bosch, felt very emotional. Whether it was planned to do the next week, maybe, but in the middle on a Tuesday practice instead of Sunday the day after, okay. Yep. So you sell to everybody, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have uh, ample time to kind of get our coaching search ready. We've had a couple of names ready for it. The first guy off the board is just like we were talking about, is Deuce, who I think is a fantastic coach yep. and could be an offensive coordinator. Great future in the league. Very soon. One to two years, possibly even this year. I don't know what kind of elevated role he would have if he stays around. To, uh, that's an insult to, I think, him because he got Rooney ruled. And this has happened, but and it's not just the Eagles; it's everywhere else in the uh, NFL. And you heard the reports of the NFL coming out and like, "Look, we're gonna, we're gonna see to make sure that you just didn't do this just to avoid interviewing any other minorities," which is what happened. Yep. But the NFL won't examine that either because if they do that, then there's a whole bunch of mess that they could open up. And I was actually looking back at Jason Garrett and, <laughs> and when he got hired, and they only hired three candidates that year. One of them actually had to, happened to be Todd Bowles, which I thought was hilarious when he was down in Miami. And the other guy is uh, the wide receiver coach that was there. They interviewed him. They had all this PR prop up of like, yeah, he could really be considered one of the guys that's in the mix here. And then they let him go after that year. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's coaching with the St. Louis Rams there. So that's one thing. That's the first thing that we smell and we see. Then it's Pat Shermer. Those guys are both in your backyard. So regardless of whatever happens there, I don't really count those yeah, as. That's what I'm saying. They don't count. Actual candidates. So now you're down to actual four. So let's examine those four real quick. Well, you had Gase. That was early out of the gate, and you're not going to sell me either way. 
and tell me that they just passed on him. We, we've had enough people on this station this week, whether it's Jeff McClain, whether, you know, we've had a lot of people come on and say they wanted Gase and Gase left them because he believed, and possibly rightly so, that, you know, Tannehill was a better quarterback than was here and, and he could develop him and that they were more ready to win. That's sad, but that's that's what most people have come out and said. They wanted Gase, but they weren't willing to, A, you know, cut the, the you know, due diligence and whatever short. And then also they weren't willing to commit to this guy, and, and he chose over them. They You know, he, he said, I want to go to Miami. The second part of this is Ben McAdoo. Uh, and don't definitely don't tell me that they passed on him. 100% absolutely not. They wanted McAdoo. We had Sal. He was the next guy coming in here. Sal Powell came on with uh, This Week at Pro Football yesterday and said, uh, you know, 100% my reporting has shown that, that Ben McAdoo was their guy. They, they, were, they were going to give Ben McAdoo the job if he wanted it. All in this mix, Doug Peterson was always considered a front runner. Considered a front runner. You heard that from our own Tim McManus. You heard that from a bunch of different we people. Heard it from Schefter originally, very, that first Sunday that first we were on morning. the air. That that's what's kind of started everything because no one else, no one else was interested in Doug Peterson. So when you have that as a front runner, you can sell that pretty, pretty easily because he's going to be in your back pocket if the rest of the guys go down in flames here. No one's stealing him. Which they did. The other thing about this whole Tom Coughlin, whatever, uh, you know, take it for what it's worth. I've heard from multiple people that Tom Coughlin was never interested in head coaching here. Never interested in even taking a head coaching job. The reason why he was in town was to make sure that Ben McAdoo got hired. Whether that was the Giants or the Eagles, he wanted to pack his guys up. That's it. So really, when you when you put this thing down, you are down to three actual candidates. Three actual candidates. Peterson, McAdoo, and Gase. The first two passed. And then you had Dougie Boy just here hanging out. And that how like that's what I'm saying. How does that make you a part of the process? And as much as I love Jaws, I love Jaws as an analyst. I love when he comes on the station, when he's on ESPN, when he's breaking down film. But if you're going to him for a coaching search, and if you're going to Andy Reid for a coaching search help, and, and you're Paul going in and, and and everybody else that works for ESPN, that is a PR sell. Because those guys are there. Well, and I think more than they're any, going to pump those guys. If you're if they're well, a part of the coaching search, they're not going to go against especially them publicly. Andy. I mean, look, Andy is the head coach and and front man of another team in the NFL. Why does this guy have anything to do with your coaching search? I know his history. I know that that Laurie trusts him and all that. But just inherently, when you look at it, this guy is your competition. He is part of the thirty-one other guys out there who are against you, who are head coaches against you in this league. And he's the one who's having a huge say in this search. And, and I'm sure Andy cares about Jeffrey and obviously cares about Doug and whatever. But, I, I mean, how can you possibly let that happen? And, and real quick, I, I want to play this cut from Brian Billick, who was on with the Midday Show uh, on Friday, because you just mentioned the Coughlin thing, and it, and it leads right into what you're talking about. This is Brian Billick with the Midday Show on Friday. I had a tough time believing Tom Coughlin was going to come in and Howie Roseman was going to be comfortable with that. He wants a coach that he's comfortable with, one that he can control, and he's got that in Doug Peterson. And that's not a bad thing. It's just that they've been the other way. I never much felt like Tom Coughlin, that thing was going to fly. And that's Brian Billick. He knows. I mean, he has been that's involved been, in around the league the yep. whole time, too. And, and you know, here, here here's what I did because I was very curious on – Kind of the process, and look, I don't think Doug Peterson is Jason Garrett, and I think a lot of the fan base is actually 
talking like they want a Jason Garrett. But here's what I found interesting. I went back to when uh, Jason Garrett was hired. I just switched the words. You tell me if it sounds any different. Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie listed wanting a culture change around Novacare as one of his main reasons of making the move from Kelly to Peterson. Quote, we know him well enough for the qualifications that he has for this position, and I know that he spent his entire life prepping for this day. He's well qualified. So if you hear this this week, <laughs> I, I might twitch a little bit. Tell, tell everyone who that really was. That, that was uh, Jerry Jones' comments on hiring Jason Garrett. Yep. And that's kind of the, I don't know, that's how this feels. And this is, and I again, just like I said, I don't think he is that. But from uh, all of the fans, he could be. He very well could be. I mean, and it, from the fan base perspective, uh, and, and I'm here, I think everybody uh, has a recency bias. And they're talking about, well, now that I've read everything about Chip Kelly and, and you know, the, the struggles he had in the locker room, and I, I, I don't really want, I don't need a guy that's a, a, a genius or et cetera, et cetera, or really knows his X's and O's. I just want a guy that can, you know, make the make the locker room uh, fit together. So what exa- but but at the same time we say that and we've ripped guys like Jason Garrett yeah. and Mike McCarthy and other guys that don't do anything other than coach up the locker room because you know what whatever that means we still don't know what guys who don't have control of offensive play calling or defensive play calling or whatever uh, their game planning during the week we don't tangibly see what they can do it's the same thing with Peterson here but that's the feel I get from this thing, James. Well, John, not just – and, uh, you know, that quote is so – I mean, that sounds exactly like what Lori would say about this hire and what we've heard kind of leading into this hire and why they've hired him and what's been leaked and all that. But just on the Garrett thing, if you look, I've got a list of, of all 32 coaches in the NFL right now, and, and Mike Malarkey obviously uh, retained yesterday uh, by the Titans. We'll throw that out there. Which, which like what? Yeah, that's, I think that's just a one-year whatever. But regardless, uh, if you look at literally every single coach in the NFL, there's only one who had it, and even Gase and McAdoo, who are, who are similar experience-wise to Peterson but have more head coach, or excuse me, more coaching experience in the NFL, there is only one NFL head coach who has a similar resume to, to Doug Peterson in terms of NFL coaching don't, don't experience, and, and it's Jason Garrett. Oh, God. Ah, this is what I'm saying, guys, is uh, we, we bitched about Chip Kelly not having NFL experience. Yeah. We bitched about all these things, like really bringing a guy here that can really kind of get in there and take it over. And uh, I'm not really sure that they've done that. Well, you brought up the clock management thing and the idea of, of do we know what he does there? And obviously we don't. And we don't know what he does in a lot of places. He's going to have to learn. Okay. Like that's the issue too, is that he has zero experience in these types of situations. And, and yes, if you hire a coordinator, he's not a head coach, but you know, it, it, the point is, is whoever it's going to be has had that learning curve. There are a lot of things that this guy's going to have to learn to do on that level. You yeah. know what I mean? He's never been in a situation like this or a position like this. And the thing you like about him, you hear everyone say, everyone who played with him, and we're going to talk to Barrett Brooks at 9 o'clock who played with Doug Peterson. Yeah. And, and, and Also BLG coming up at 8.30 in yep. just about 15 minutes or so. Um, but it, you hear the people who talk about him, the, the, the glowing thing that they say is that he, he's a great teacher. He's great at teaching, and, and that's awesome. I want a great teacher here. That's cool. But can he do all the other stuff that comes with being a head coach and a face and a front man for an organization? Uh, it, it, there's a lot that goes into that, both from a media perspective, from a, you know, uh, uh, not just game planning and whatnot, but all the other stuff that goes with the whole program of, of running a franchise, whether it's things like sports science, which luckily it seems like Pearson's going to keep, which is which is great. But, you know, the way the practice is scheduled, all these other there's so much infrastructure involved that you are in charge of. 
that's a lot to handle and is a big adjustment. So, uh, you know, it. I don't know how you couldn't be nervous about this guy taking over that role with the, the based on the experience that he has. Well, I know a lot of people out there have, <laughs> you know, uh, thousands of different opinions on you. But we'll go to our, we'll start out with our good friend Lenny from Pittman, who's joining us right now on BGN Radio. Lenny, what's going on this morning, pal? Good morning, gentlemen. Why should it surprise anybody that James Superman Seltzer broke the story? <laughs> but anyhow. You guys have got to realize a few things here with this hiring. First of all, you guys got job security for the next three or four years. Do you realize the conversation and the phone calls you're going to get about this, Skivozo? I mean, really. Do you realize that? And I got some breaking news for you I just heard on television. Do you know who the new offensive coordinator is going to be? No. Pee Wee Herman. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and just pretty one good. other thing. It seems we've developed a new uh, strategy here in Philly. I, I guess I guess the Eagles are going to start tanking games, so we get, we get good draft choices. Uh, hey, Lenny. We, we might bring that I up, I might actually. be all right with that. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you what. If I hear one caller, one of my favorite callers, call up during the course of the next year going, I love Doug, and I'm going to stay with Doug. And Doug's going to – I oh, am going Lenny, to absolutely start drinking. Lenny. <laughs> Lenny, Lenny. Well, Lenny, we appreciate it. Second yeah. of all, you're, you're going to start drinking anyway. But, I, I think so. He did bring up, and we are going to get into the whole, you know, Deshaun Watson 2017 thing. Yeah, yeah. But but, uh, but he did bring up something that is important that we should touch on, uh, and that's the staff that's going to be built around Peterson. Uh, a lot of rumors coming out. We've heard Brad Childress, and, and I'm sorry, local beat writers, can we not call him Chili? Uh, I mean, really, like I've heard Chili a hundred times over the last couple or over the last week since that rumor came out. But whether it's, you know, Childress and then we've heard Schwartz and Petten and all these guys, uh, I do like the idea that they're trying to surround him or or seemingly trying to surround him with guys who have been a head coach at the NFL level, because I do think that that experience is important. Can we also stop saying that that the defensive coordinator is as important, if not more, than that. I've heard multiple people say that <laughs> the defensive coordinator hires as important as that coach. Is it Doug Peterson's most important hire? Yes, no question, one hundred percent. But come on, man, if if it was as important as that coach, we'd hire whoever they're hiring for the yeah, DC as exactly. head coach. So no. so it's a very very important hire. But Peterson's still the guy, and and he still has to make this work. And it could still work with that mentality. That's the difference. Is that if you just like James was touching on, if there are guys that are strong enough. To support Doug Peterson in this, and, and maybe they're just so he can gradually him, get into it. And so him, he can lean on their experience. Right. Uh, then I think that, you know, maybe that's there's the a possibility. That's the best case scenario. Best case scenario. That's how it works. Yeah, But, again, what's not tangible is what is his offense? What is his philosophy? What, is, he what did, does he do well other than teach? We've heard good guy. We've heard teach. We've, like, you know, faced yeah. adversity, backup quarterback. Been understands oh, the fan oh, base. Real quick, one, major more, one more backed up Brett Favre and Dan yeah, Marino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. Great. That's did, that's did he do anything to make them better? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Joe in Plymouth meeting. Joe, what's going on, bud? Hey, fellas, how you doing? Uh, you know, trying to trying <laughs> to hang in there. <laughs> Despondent yeah, is that uh, a uh, good way to put it? Listen, I, I just think they just hired their puppet. I mean, that's all. He, I I mean, no experience. I mean, we're going down this road again. And, you know, all right, Andy Reid was what, a lucky pick, you know. Now we got to do this all again. We're going to be sending back another four years. You know, what was what, I mean, he just wanted a puppet and he got it. Yeah, Joe, I I, I think that's a strong point. I, I you know, it's hard to say specific. You know, you don't you can't. We don't know for sure, but everything that you hear and everything, you know, even Billick said, McClan. We've had a lot of people on the station say that 
they wanted someone who, who Howie could get along with, someone who was going to be okay listening and answering to Howie. But you bring up a good point there about Reed, and, and it was a lucky uh, you know, to bring Reed in, and, and he blew him away and all that. But we also, and, and I love Andy. Andy's the best coach in this franchise's history. But let's not forget how important Donovan McNabb and Jimmy Johnson were to, yep. to his success. Sal Powell said it on the station yesterday. I, I mean, picking McNabb was an amazingly a great perfect decision by Andy, but let's not forget that Andy was a good coach, but he had some serious, serious help there. Right, and and when Andy got here, we had a pretty good defense, you know, and then you know, he, he hired Jimmy Johnson and it just bloomed, you know? Yeah, well, there was, like, a, and Joe, you're right. It, like the offense was really winning them games, you know? All right, you have a blowout here or there, but our defense was pretty stale. Yeah, yeah so I, and I pre- we appreciate the call, Joe. I think we get, uh, I think we want to remember some of the good things that we remember. I think a lot of the times is we remember Brian Dawkins, and that's what we think of the defense or Trot, who's obviously on the station all the time, or uh, you know who has whoever was the signal caller on that. Jimmy Johnson passing away. I, I think it's. I think we forget how much you know Donovan actually did win a lot of those games, and Andy schemed up a lot of those games. And granted, the only, the only, every problem that you ran into was uh, just a, an amplified version of Kansas City last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, because that was the thing is that... Is that Defense it, didn't play well, you know, for them true, either. True, comparatively. That comparatively, yeah. And, and But when you look at it with Andy, that that's really true. I mean, he was an amazing preparer. He was yep. really good at, at both getting his game plan ready for a game and his guys ready for a game. But once that clock starts, once that whistle blows, he's not a good coach. No. He's not a good in-game coach, both at adjusting and obviously at clock management. We've seen it time and time and time again. But I think what you're going to hear a lot is a lot of the reaction from that. And I don't think that's – one, I don't think that's fair to Doug Peterson at all. Agreed. those are Andy Reid's demons in there. Right. And everything that you saw was in there, and especially with the, with the play calling, with the situational stuff. I don't know if he's a good in-game coach. I don't know if uh, – all I've seen him do is throw footballs. <laughs> picture. Every no, picture of Doug Peterson is throwing a well, football. Well, that's why it's a great point because we can kind of rip him on the one side for the lack of experience, but at the same time we can't rip him for, for stuff in Kansas City because we all know that that's Reed's, Reed's team, Reed's offense, which also, again, which though, makes, you yeah, know, comes back to it. Yeah, and, but it also comes back to that that's part of the problem with the experience is that not only has you know Andy Reed done most of the stuff with the offense that he's been working on, but Doug Peterson has never coached under any other coach in the NFL. He has no other, I mean, like, you know, real quick, uh, you always hear Arians and Zimmer as the guys who are like, well, he could be the ne-. no one wanted those guys. Do, do you know how much experience those guys had? I mean, Zimmer was a coordinator, a defensive coordinator for a decade in the league before he got a coaching job. Arians was a, a, a coordinator multiple times over and essentially one coach of the year when Chuck Pagano was, was out with cancer for that Colts team. So I, I, I agree it's there. You don't always know. It's not always who's pursuing them that's going to tell you who the best coaches are. But don't compare them to those guys. Those guys had so much more NFL coaching experience. I'm going to even throw jobs. experience out the window because I don't really care about NFL experience as much as I do. Okay, what does he run? What are they, What is his philosophy? See, I care about There's, in-game experience. I care about being in those. Mm-hmm. See, because well, I think reps are huge but this in is anything what, in life. This is what I'm saying, though. Uh, I but we don't nothing is tangible. That's why it's it's so hard to have an opinion on him one way or the other. Right. And we're trying to shoehorn guys that are in there. That's why we I refer to it as like, well, it could end up like Jason Garrett, or it could end up like Andy Reid, yeah. or somewhere in between. There, we have no physical clue what he does, and I think that's what's scaring the fan base. So when you add that up. 
to that and the search and how it's going. Right. It's what we have to go. We on. are already thinking this is going to be inherently bad, and they're trying to. That's what I'm saying. They are trying to sell this thing to you so hard. I tell you what, uh, Joe and Tony, hang out for just a little bit. Brandon Lee Gowton is coming up in just five minutes. Here we're going to talk to him, get his thoughts on this. Plus Barrett Brooks at nine o'clock. This is BGN Radio with John Barcher and James Elser right here on 97.5 The Fanatic. They be like smooth. What? Can you teach me how to dougie? You know why? Because all the girls love me. Hey. BGN Radio, 97.5 The Fanatic. Indeed, James Elser is doing the Dougie right now. So, AJ, if you're out there, just saying. Uh, Just going back and forth between this coaching search and trying to make sense of everything here. And I don't think we're going to have an answer by the end of the show. I don't think we're going to have an answer until about April, May. Yeah, if that, man. June, August. I don't know. just, Just some semblance of... What exactly does Doug Peterson do? And that's why we bring in the man himself, the Hefe, the editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. Who? Uh, it is Mr. Brandon Lee Gouton. Uh, what's going on, pal? How are you this morning? I'm doing all right. Before we get started, I just wanted to give a uh, uh, shout-out to my number one fan, Mikey Miss. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, let's talk about that just for a second because Mike Miss, uh, I, I don't know if it was printed out incorrectly, but he was calling you up because he didn't use your... Uh, your sources properly on on just a, a simple on the Jaws thing, right? That's what went down. Yeah, I guess the, he didn't see the tweet there, the embedded tweet. I mean, you know, mistakes happen. It's I'm okay. Not, yeah. I thought it was funny more than anything. I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I know. Hired a head coach, and the next day they're talking about me on the radio. There you go. You're the, that there big. You go. I, I can tell you from experience, uh, uh, ninety-nine times out of a hundred. Uh, let's go ninety-nine, nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine times out of a thousand. It's the producer's fault. So I think we can blame Martinez. <laughs> oh for that man, one. throwing him under the bus. Now. There we go. Uh, but you know, Brandon, we're we're talking about. Obviously, we're talking about Doug Peterson and just trying to get a grasp on. You know, what the Eagles were thinking, the process that kind of led up to this thing. What was your overall reaction when it was just finally – I feel like Doug Peterson's been the coach already since, whatever, January 5th. Like, we're, for two weeks, we've been kind of preparing ourselves for this. Was there any surprise for you? Um, what was uh, your thoughts on the philosophy of, of going this route and, and everything else here, BLG? Well, there wasn't a lot of surprise because, you know, we saw at the point where McAdoo was ruled out and Tom Cawson was ruled out. So that really only left what, like Deuce Staley, Pat Shermer, and, and Peterson. So you knew it was going to be one of those three, and you knew it probably wasn't going to be Deuce because he obviously doesn't have a ton of experience and really isn't maybe ready to be head coach yet. So we almost thought it was Pat Shermer there because of the that Ken Flagoli hire uh, joining the Eagles staff, which, is which by the way, that hire just kind of totally just kind of shows how this Eagles coaching search is just so messed up. If there's if there's already assistance being leaked before the head coach and everything, and and so that's that was my big takeaway more than anything of this coaching search. It wasn't about surprise about Doug Peterson as much as it was. Well, I want to break in there too, search. just just real quick, BLG, about that, and you know, because there's a bunch of different names being floated. You know, like hearing Childress, hearing maybe Shermer stays as the OC. Do you look at that more or less like they're talking to Peterson, even though they? But, you know, however, they get around the illegal part of it because he hasn't been officially hired. Or do you think that really is, you know, the front office kind of calling the shots for the supporting staff? Could be a little bit of both. I mean, it's, it is a weird situation. It's kind of a dumb role where how the NFL has this set up. I mean, teams shouldn't really have to wait like this. It's just it's tough because then how do you put these staffs together, you know, and you, you only have a, a certain amount of time. And then you have like the things like the senior bowl coming up. So there's a lot of pressure to get this done quickly. And it's probably it's probably both, you know, because Peterson is obviously last week he's focusing on the Patriots and he has work to do there. 
but you know maybe there's some kind of he he can find some kind of time to call up his old buddies and stuff like that and try to try to gauge their interest. Maybe the front office takes over from that point. Yeah, uh, let's speaking of that, let's head in that direction, Brandon. Uh, you know, we've heard some names out there. We've heard, uh, you know, Brad Childress is a name for offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, Shermer in the mix. Uh, we've heard Petten and Schwartz and guys like that on defense, as well as Mike Nolan. Uh, uh, what are you hearing, and do any of these names kind of stand out above the rest, both in terms of, of who you'd guess and also who you'd like to see in there? Well, I think uh, Chili, as some call him, Brad. Oh, we just <laughs> I think he would make sense just because of his past experience and obviously working directly with Doug now in, in Kansas City as the spread game analyst. Uh, very unique title there. And Which sounds a little dirty, to be honest with you. You know, that could be that could be a lot of anything. <laughs> so you have him. And then Jim Schwartz is a, is a top name out there as a defensive coordinator. He's had some good defenses in, in his uh in his time in the NFL, obviously not so much uh, of a good head coach, kind of flamed out in Detroit there. But, you know, I think the whole goal overall, dependent, no matter who the name is, is to really get experienced guys in here to support a rookie head coach like Doug Peterson. I think one of the biggest maybe mistakes of the Chip Kelly era was really not getting him or him not getting himself a strong supporting cast. You know, you look at a lot of Chip's assistants, None of them really went on to move on to do anything. I mean, you look at Bill Lazor, who became the offensive coordinator in Miami, but he only you know, lasted a season or so and then got fired. It's a great point. Yeah, and then you have Bill as, Mus- as really the only one who, and he just, you know, has always been with him, who's the only one who really had a lot of success. Yeah, uh, and Musgrave, I think, in, uh, went to Oakland and became the offensive yeah. coordinator out there. So, uh, yeah, and speaking of uh, of Jim Schwartz, and it, I thought that was kind of interesting because you're going to hear, I mean, I know it's going to be a huge buzzword anyway, but White, White Nine! Uh, but he's actually run it successfully for the most part anywhere he's really gone except for, well, even the, even the defenses in Detroit were really strong, even though he was a terrible head coach there. He ran it in 10 Tennessee obviously had a lot of success in Buffalo in 2014 um and you know again this is kind of everybody's favorite thing here is switching over to a 4-3 like everything seems to me is just like opposite land just give me the opposite of whatever we just did is and and that I don't know if it's a front office thing or a fan thing but how do you feel about you know all, all of that moving forward do you think it's a lot of recency bias that's happening right now I think it's just the tradition of the Eagles. You know, I think you think of a lot of more four-three defenses, especially you know with Jim Johnson and and you know that kind of era and all of that. So I think it's kind of more of just a nostalgic thing. Uh, I I think you, there's some truth to what you're saying about how oh you know we don't like what we have now. We have to go back to to something else. I remember I clearly remember times back during the Andy Reid era where people wanted to go to the three-four every year and would say, look at all the three-four teams in the playoffs. So I think it's just, you know, a matter of, of sometimes this being, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. And the other thing is, to me, it just doesn't move the needle a lot. I mean, out of all the issues with this franchise and with this team, I don't really think the 3-4 or 4-3 defense is really the big deal right now. That's a great point. Speaking of, of issues and, and big deals in terms of, of personnel and what you're doing there, uh, how does the Peterson hiring uh, move the needle for you in terms of Bradford? Do you think it's a, a good thing, a bad thing? Do you think it's going to depend on whether Shermer comes back? Uh, you know, how do you see the Bradford thing playing out? Uh, you know, in your eyes, is he the starting quarterback for the Eagles next season? Well, I'll say this, you know, a lot of coaches have their guys at quarterback, you know, they, they have their guy in mind. And as far as we know, you know, Bradford might not be uh, Doug Peterson's guy because, you know, he might have his own ideas of what he wants to do at quarterback. 
I think you look at the Chip Kelly hire in San Francisco, and I think Chip would love to get Bradford back. You know, the way he talked about him before he got fired in Philadelphia, you know, Chip was saying that, you know, he really wanted Bradford back next year. Uh, obviously, Chip gave up a second-round pick along with Nick Foles to get him. So I think more than anything, you know, uh, you know, Chip would love to get his hands on Bradford. And maybe Bradford wants to be reunited with Chip. You know, that was a big thing with Bradford, too. Him saying, you know, he, he was looking forward to continuity. He was upset. He was reportedly upset. Uh, Albert Beer came on the station here at 97.5, said Bradford was upset that Chip got fired for the sake of not being able to have that continuity. So maybe that's something Bradford would desire on his own choice to not sign a contract with the Eagles and maybe go out west to the 49ers. Uh, you know, you talked about quarterbacks and getting your guy, uh, and we'll probably leave you out on this one, BLG, but uh, I know it's like in, in, almost impossible to predict, but did you have, if you if your gut was telling you anything right now, do you think Howie chooses a guy at 13 QB, whether that's Wentz or whoever's there on the board, maybe Lynch, Lynch falls there, or something. something like that. Do you think that their number one goal would be, let's go get a quarterback in the first round? I think they definitely have to get a quarterback at some point in this draft, and I, I wouldn't rule it out early depending on how things go leading up to the draft here and how the board shakes out and everything. But, I mean, look, I mean, you, you could, this could be a Doug Peterson situation at quarterback with Doug Peterson, a head coach, meaning, you know, this is a situation maybe where you bring in a guy like Chase Daniel from Kansas City who's going to be a free agent and Woo-hoo! has some experience. and yeah, not very exciting, but maybe a placeholder guy where you bring him in and you bring the rookie in, and the rookie isn't going to be able to start unless he outplays the veteran like that. So maybe you're looking at some kind of situation there where you're pairing a rookie with just a placeholder guy. And wouldn't that be funny if, you know, Doug Peterson has known Doug Peterson on his team? That's great. Chase Daniel, of course, too. We're going to hear that name like crazy. The only thing I like about Chase Daniel, two first names. That's it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and if you watch Teen Wolf, you know that's a problem. Never, yeah. never get it. Uh, Brandon Lee Gouton from BleedingGreenNation.com. We appreciate it, buddy. We'll be uh, checking everything out at BleedingGreenNation.com this week. See you guys soon. Thanks, pal. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's – it is uh, about the same there. And at that point, if you're going to go, if you're going to go with the Doug Peterson route, and if you are going to sign Chase Daniels and maybe a couple others, I think it might be a good idea to at least float uh, Sanchez out there, you know, post draft and, and just see, or pre, need, a pre draft. Well, it's probably going to be a backup quarterback, you're saying? Who, who I mean, it's might a need con- a starter? Who needs, you know, you know? It, I mean, you look at it, what is it, two for uh, two years, nine million? I mean, that's a really good quarterback for. for you know, obviously he stinks. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah. for a guy like that, uh, you know, that's what Fitzpatrick makes more or less. You know, he'll make more now, but this year, you know, you're right that you know, sixth, seventh rounder for a starting court. You know, for a guy who could start in a pinch or, or or be that kind of Doug Peterson guy for maybe another team, whoever does get Goff or whoever, whatever. You know, I think that that's a legitimate option. I think it's a good idea. Saves you a little bit of money. You know, we'll, yeah. uh, they're going to have to make a lot of those cuts anyway. But it's you know, this is you know, it's it's a long process here. We're sitting in January trying to trying to get everything done, and the problem is, it's just we don't we don't know. The only thing we know, kind of, is how he's drafting philosophies, and that's the thing that we learned this week. He will one hundred percent be in charge of player personnel, and yep. I'm sure that will shift at some point in the next couple of weeks and they'll hire, you know, whatever, two two other guys to, in this collaboration deal to kind of figure it out and go through. Here's the other problem I have with it, James, and I don't think we've talked about it enough this week. If they really were, and look, I'm not saying that you can't go and reach out for coaching up. I'm not saying that at all. I think that's a, a good idea in some cases because you know, you might not know everything, but if you're going to make this move and you're going to make this stamp, and I'm saying, like, yes, this is Howie doing his thing, or yes, this is Lori doing his thing, and you cannot determine 
the type of guy, the type of field, the type of direction that you want to go, whether that, you know, again, we don't have all the information here, but the perception to me looks like you couldn't choose your own guy anyway, and you had to reach out for these guys for help. Yeah, I don't even think it's perception. I think it's we've had enough reputable sources come out and say that they wanted McAdoo. They wanted Gase. They even might have wanted Coughlin. Who knows? You know, might have been that Coughlin didn't want it either way. The point is. He didn't. Yeah. Doug. Still yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. But Doug Peterson was absolutely 100%, no matter how many times, and I'll set the over under at 25, for how many times Jeffrey Lurie says we got the guy we wanted or some variation of that. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. No, they didn't. Adam Gase was their guy. And then I think McAdoo was really their guy. Yeah. And they got. Neither of them, and they lost one to their bitter rival. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. Well, let's go back to the phones. It's Tony on a cell. Tony, what's going on this morning, man? How are you? How are you doing, sir? Good. Uh, pretty good right here at uh, Morrisville. Um, I like Pat Sherman myself. I thought maybe he should have been given a chance. Um, I'm a long-time Eagles fan, man. I've been waiting 40, over 40 years now uh, for, for these guys to win. Um, first of all, Gates, Mark, and Luke, I don't. They're young guys. They're in the late thirties. I don't see how those guys are even more experienced than Peterson. Just I mean, ju- I'm, no, no, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying just pure NFL coaching experience. But yeah, I mean Peterson has experience in the league, and he's older, and he's been around the league yeah. for a while. No, that's fair. Yeah, I, I looked them up. I looked them up, and they, they really do not uh, match up that much well. Yeah, I think mostly there were not many great candidates out there to begin with, or at least uh, you know, uh, seemingly. And it's funny because the same people. The same people that just a few months ago were praising Chip Kelly are now tearing up Peterson. I think he should be given an opportunity. I think he should be given a chance. I think Peterson will do well. And I think that this this franchise can do well with a guy like that. I think there's a ton of people that are willing to give him a chance. And uh, I'll just disagree with you on this point, Tony, and we appreciate the call. Uh, I think it's across the board, whether you liked or hated Chip Kelly, this hasn't been I think we have good the perf- at all. I think we have the perfect caller next, actually, to to put that theory out there. A guy who was definitely anti-chip, very anti-chip, and I, I don't think he's very excited about this hire. All right, let's go to our favorite friend, John, in Glassboro. John, what's happening this morning, man? How you guys doing? Good, man. Morning, John. No, I'm not a Chip Kelly fan. Obviously, I, I'm in love with the fact that he sent himself to purgatory. He's going to get his ass handed to him by Seattle and St. Louis. <laughs> and I love it. I'm going to love everything. St. Louis? I don't know about that. I think that would be Yeah, either way, though. Either way. We get, we get it. Prediction, prediction. Kaepernick will turn on him like a rabid dog. He'll All right, but, but let's focus on here, John. What, to- uh, the, Eagles, the Eagles, I saw everything I needed to see. It's, Chip Ka- it's, it's Andy Reid, 20 years removed. He's still doing the same dumb stuff. All right, first half. He's calling bad timeouts. You're like, all right, well, at least this won't turn itself into the second half. And then they need two scores. There's five minutes left in the yep, game. Yep. Somebody should be whispering in Doug What's-His-Name's ear. Yo, the ball can't. It can't we can't have running. No running plays. We throw the ball six seconds off the clock each play, and we need two scores. Here they give Tom Brady back the ball with 45 seconds, and hey, at least we scored a touchdown. No, you had a chance to win the game, tie the game, and then we see the polar opposite in Green Bay where he has no chance, and somehow he ties the game, whereas Andy Reid and Doug Peterson give them no chance and a little, you know, kiss your sister, well, we got a touchdown. Yeah, but you had a chance to win the game, and he still can't do it, Andy Reid, and he trained Doug Peterson, and I'm out. I'm done with it. Don't bring me in a token... Hey, this is a guy we're comfortable with. 
Thank yeah. Joe, John, I'm going to be honest with you. Get ready for it, man. Yeah, that's what it is. Because that's, that's exactly and what's going to happen. I, I do think, though, we appreciate he, the call. Uh, he made me think about something there, though. When we were talking before about that failed, miserably, clock management situation by Andy Reid last night, you know what? Yeah, we, we kind of uh, absolved Peterson in the sense of, of it's Andy's team and it's Andy's offense and all that. But you know what? I want a coordinator in that situation who's going to go to Andy and say, what the hell are we doing, dude? Like, we need to score. We need to up this and and get in his face. If, if, a head coach in this league. Remember when Bill O'Brien, you know, and I know you're not a huge O'Brien I'm up guy. And down. He, I, I like the guy as a leader, at least. Remember when he got into that fight with Brady on the sideline? They are just going at it on the sideline. You, m- most people don't have the, you know, cojones to stand up to a Brady or, or a head coach or whatever. I want a guy who's going to do that, who's going to say, we're going to lose this game if we don't do something, coach. Yeah, I don't know about that because you're really going to break, you know, oh, Break rank, rank at it uh, I don't with know. two minutes I, left to I'm go I'm not game? saying break rank, but this is a guy who's known uh, Andy for 20 years or whatever. Get in his ear and be like, Andy, man, th- th- you know, come on. If you're going to be a head coach, if you're going to be in these situations, I want to see you react. They look, won 11 in a row, and then they beat the hell out of the Texans. Yeah, you going to tell Andy Reid. How many winning teams did they beat in those 11? Well, that's a bad. Do you think Doug Peterson's Zero. thinking that? you think Doug was like, well, they we didn't beat any winning Jones. teams. Jones. That was the only one. I know that. I know that. <laughs> I'm just saying it has nothing to do with the, their record, their whatever. It has to do with Peterson and, and Andy, obviously, but their ability in an in-game pressure moment, an important game, to not react appropriately, to yeah, not. See, I think we're. I think we are reacting. I, I agree. Way I'm too not much g- again. That. Again, we're we're blaming Reed for this. It's yeah. more Reed's fault. But I'm just saying, you know, I don't think we should completely 100 percent say Peterson was not involved at all. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be the. I mean, he's part of that staff. You know, a lot of that. I, it's just that, yeah, I I, have a, I just have a really t- hard time selling. It's like, well, I think even Jeff McClain had pointed that out. It's like, well, it'd be really interesting if he was in charge of those two minutes on, uh, well, and people forget this too. This The first half two minutes was, was pretty bad too. I mean, like, that, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so I, you know, I don't know. If you want to stick him to that, fine. I think that's, I think that's about the only thing he can really do at this point. And, and even then it's pretty loose, but uh, let's go back to the phones. As I see uh, Joe in uh, Levittown. Joe, what's going on, bud? Yeah, man. About half an hour, 40 minutes ago, one of you guys defined Deuce Staley as an excellent coach. Could you explain to me how he's excellent? Absolutely. He survived Andy Reid, and they kept him on Chip Kelly's staff, and he's going to survive another one because they want him retained here. So that's uh, three regimes that he's going to be a part of here. And everybody loves yeah, him. Yeah, but what what is he? Look at the backfield, man. Look at the backfield and what they've done. I mean, what has he well, done? Well, this year wasn't great, but I mean, you know, two years ago, Lashawn McCoy had led the league in rushing with eighteen hundred yards, and you know, yeah, t- I get that, I get that. But what 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 about since then? I don't. I mean, like, it's hard. I mean, look, that yeah, it's look. You're right in the sense that it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint what a running backs coach, how big an impact the the positional coaches have on, on particular players. I think it's a very case by case type of thing. But you know, based on everything we've heard about Deuce and everything we've seen with the the players' reaction to him, the coaches' reaction to him, it seems like everybody has a good thing to say about him, both as a coach and a person, which is part of being a coach, as we learn with Chip Kelly. So, uh, you know, yes, we're not one hundred million percent sure he's a, a brilliant coach or anything, but from everything you hear, it appears that he is a very good coach. Yeah, but to use the word excellent. I mean, come on. You know, it's ridiculous. Where you, I'm using that because of... It's semantics, uh, of, though. Yeah, mean, it's like a, you can say good, real, you can say excellent. We're really, so, yeah. well, even, even worse. Okay, fine. Let's say he's not a good coach. <laughs> then they really Rooney ruled him. And that's even worse. Yeah, exactly. So, if he's not a good coach, then it was, you know... 
Then it's ugly. Then you I mean, really need to anyway. start talking about and, it. And again, yeah. let's just clarify that because we're getting stuff on Twitter. This we're not talking specifically about Deuce. The Rooney Rule is a real issue in this league. In the NFL, as in the a NFL whole. as a whole, we're seeing yeah. it. Every team, just you know, and obviously there are obviously teams who who really do give uh, you know. And, and look, it also comes back to not as many uh, you know candidates elevated. It's just, it's an institutional problem with race and and people you know coaches and an improportionate number of people who played in the league and whatever who are who are african-american or, or of color minority whatever as opposed to the coaches it's insane it's it's a joke I, I totally agree but that doesn't change the fact that the rooney rule is in place and it is abused by teams oh, every sure, yeah. single it was, off season it was there for good intent i'm sure but Absolutely. it's turned into the, this the, like yeah the well, get this guy in here so great. we can get him out so it's it, it's kind of has that feel to it all right let's go to uh dieter and hatboro dieter what's going on this morning man good morning my friend Hey, you know what? I'm glad Fat Boy lost in Kansas City, but uh, oh. I, I, hey, uh, but but if, hey, if he wants to leave Filthy Duffy, shame on him, you know what I mean? But anyway, uh, as far as Peterson, I tell you what, it looks good on paper until you well, take not really. it off. That's until the you thing. take it off, it might be good, but it doesn't look good on paper. How you <laughs> figure that? Well, that's the point. He, he doesn't have a resume. That's what we're saying. He might be good. You know that that is out there. He might be a leader of men. He might be able to relate to players in a way that we've never seen before. That that's all possible. But when you look at it, what's going to happen? If and this is what we were kind of talking about. Of you know, it's that's he's part of the search there. Thanks he's, for the call. Yeah, man. we appreciate it. But that's that's again that's that's the issue with it is Jaws is well look and as much as I love Jaws I, I think we, there was a couple of different opinions on there one of them was did, at some point he called Colin Kaepernick the best quarterback in the NFL that's going to happen look, he, he had Nick Foles over like Russell Wilson and I don't so think that's we a all problem get, no no everybody I don't, gets stuff that's wrong what, that's what was my point was is like we're, we're all going to get that stuff wrong we all have opinions on it Jesus fine you went through all the stuff I was wrong about in the past like two years I'd be a joke, which is which is why why I haven't gotten a single pick right in our pick segment. Yet. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they should call Andrew James or myself for a head coaching search because of that. That's what I'm saying. Like there's there's whatever that's in there. Again, I think that's more of a of a PR sell so they can get that out there so people say, well, this guy respects him, this guy respects him, and you know, I, I think that's I think it's valid. I think people want to question that. There's some that do. We are. It doesn't still tell us anything about Doug Peterson. It's more or less just trying to say, you know, we did we did the right thing here. And uh, I just, you know, <laughs> I don't think they did. Let's go to Jim in Jersey. Jim, what's going on this morning, pal? What's up, guys? Great show. Thank you. You know, as an Eagles fan, when you don't agree with what the team is doing, it's the one time in life where you're really hoping to be proven wrong. Yes, we just said that last night. You know, you really are. And I've been worried since Reed left that Lori's main concern is staying good enough to keep making money. And this seems like I'm I'm hoping to be proven wrong, but he wants to get back to that. We're we're good enough to keep the excitement about the team but never good enough to put us over the top. 
Yeah. And that proves that point. No, Jim, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's the money as much as the relevancy. I, I think he wants to be looked at as a relevant owner and have a relevant team and, and always kind of be in it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you're right in the fact that, that you should be worried about the fact that this guy's, you know, sure, does he want to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. But his process for going about it, I think, is is clearly flawed. Absolutely. And you'll see he does the same thing over and over. Every couple of years, he'll make a big splash and hire the free agent. But they never do enough to get you over the top. It's almost like they're, they're, they're comfortable in mediocrity, staying relevant, just like you just said. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, and we appreciate the call, but that was a great call. They, um, I think that there's a lot of that happening right now. Again, this goes, this goes back to last January, where it was knee-jerk to knee-jerk to knee-jerk to knee-jerk. And this is where you kind of land in this spot. They might get look. They might get lucky and and hit on this thing. Yep. And we all look like idiots. That's fine by me because if we look like idiots, that means the team's doing something right and yep. they're winning and doing all that stuff. But just right now, no. And and I don't have a good answer for this. We were talking about this last night as well. But uh, just in general, an ownership of team sports, uh, you know, it, it, it gets lost a lot. But it, it, I mean, it's a public trust. You are owning this franchise as as a public trust. You have a duty a responsibility to provide for your fans, to provide an uh, entertaining product, to provide a competitive team, to provide amenities, all that kind of stuff. It, it's a public trust. There are a lot more people out there who live and die with the Eagles than just Jeffrey Lurie and his business, okay? And, and I'm not saying that he looks at it as a business. I do believe that Lurie wants to win. I, I, I do oh, believe that. Does. I think there's no question in my mind. He wants the Lombardi drum yep. to finally put in there so he can no feel question. better around the meetings. Yep, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, he has to step back and realize that that the decisions that he makes, the the putting people like Howie Roseman in power, the uh, all this stuff is is decisions on behalf of this fan base. I'm not saying you have to listen to the fan base when you make those decisions, but I'm saying you have to keep that in mind. The main goal, and I know it's, it's be a business, and everyone wants to make money and all that, but the main goal of these teams, of this whole thing called sports and fandom, is for these teams. To provide and to win and to, to provide entertainment for their fan base. It's a public trust. And that can't be forgotten. Well, I don't yeah, I don't want the fans in charge of who. No, I'm not saying that. No, either. I'm saying but, but it's yeah, for the point. fans. Absolutely. Like it's it's a business, sure, but it's it should be for the fans first and foremost. Uh well we'll talk to Barrett Brooks and get his thoughts on uh, on Doug Peterson. You know, he's a guy that has has uh, has been around him and uh, and maybe we're maybe we're missing something here. Yeah, no, uh, I, I'm intrigued to see what we haven't talked to anyone who played with him. But real quick, just on that one last thing with that public trust, the, the the main idea is look, the Eagles franchise is going to be here a lot longer than Jeffrey Lurie is, all right, or whoever is owning the franchise. It's it's part of this city. It's part of us as fans, and I just you can't forget that that has to be a part of everything that you do. Uh, well, yeah, I. <laughs> I have some interesting thoughts on that saying- as well, but we'll we'll get into that with Barrett, and we'll get into that afterwards because I, you know, I, I think that's what he's trying to do, and in trying to do that and please the fans, he's actually screwing this thing up. So more with Barrett Brooks right here on BGN Radio right after the break. It's James Elzer and uh, John Barchard right here on ninety-seven five The Fanatic. Palmer stepping away at first. Palmer extending the play. Nobody there. Crosses the field. Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald is going to take it into Green Bay territory. Larry Fitzgerald inside the 30. The 20. If he Larry scores, Fitzgerald it's over. is insane. 75 yards. First and goal. 97-5, the Fanatic. 
It was insane. Larry Fitzgerald is insane now, Michaels. I agree. That was insane. that was a crazy play. Yeah, they ran the uh, don't cover Larry Fitzgerald defense when things break down. Oh, so, you mean the and, Eagles? And it the, wasn't good. You mean the Eagles defense yeah, for Larry Fitzgerald yeah. every time we play him? Good. That's that pretty good. much right. Uh, one guy who is not insane, who has been very level-headed through this entire process with Chip, with the quarterback situation and everything else, he is a uh, co-host over on Breakfast on Broad. You can catch him there every morning, catch him on our post-game shows and Really, he just kind of shows up and hangs out, and that's why we love him. It's Barrett Brooks right now on the Comcast Business Hotline. Barrett, how are you doing this morning, pal? I'm good this morning. I'm good, guys. How's everything going? Oh, we're doing great. What we're we're still trying to wrap our heads around this thing, and I know that you and Doug Peterson have uh, have been uh, teammates at one point. You've you you know the guy pretty well. What um what if anything can we tangibly hold about Doug Peterson, the coach? Well, I mean, from a from a player standpoint, when you're on a team. He's definitely going to give you some some you know, reliability of being a player's coach, and that tends to be good for a lot of the coaches uh, that, you know, going into a new situation. He'll understand how to relate to the players. One thing we don't know are all the things that, you know, we, we, we question Andy Reid with, you know, clock management, things of that nature. I think he'll be well prepared. I think the team will um, they'll openly embrace him, but the only thing is that, the maturity level of being a head coach. Now we have to go through the whole thing again after doing this with, with, with Chip Kelly and now going in with Doug Peterson. We have to learn, does he have the, the you know, um, does he have what it takes to be a head coach as opposed to being just a coordinator? We're, we're going to get into the process that actually came in to, to hiring Doug in a minute with you, Barrett. But, but one more quick question about Doug, the guy, the coach. Uh, what would you say his strengths and weaknesses are coming in as a coach? As, as someone who knows him, obviously he hasn't coached you. But as a person, and a, can he be a leader of men? Can he, you know, wh- where should we, you know, I, I, we've heard he's a great teacher. Outside of that, like what else is Doug good at and what might be an issue outside of ex- inexperience? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, while we were in Green Bay, we didn't really have a quarterback's coach. The quarterback's coach was actually the offensive coordinator. So on game day, a lot of the situations that the team went through, it, and, and with, with Brett Favre went through, he would rely on Doug more so than he would rely on any other coach. When he sat down and looked at the um, looked at the the, the the pictures, you know, on the sideline, he'd be going through it with Doug. Uh, when certain situations happened, he'd be going through it with Doug. So Doug was like his right hand man more so than his uh, offensive coordinator. And plus, let me tell you something else about Doug. Doug also started out a quarterback. I mean, a quarterback coach who ended up being the um, being a, a a crucial piece. And winning the Super Bowl and being in the Super Bowl last year, he was actually Daryl Bevers. Daryl Bevel, that was his uh, quality control guy when we were there and, and with the um, with the Packers. He's the guy that you know did all the scout team reps and everything like that. But Daryl relied on him a lot. Daryl always with the Doug as far as learning any of the of, of offense, learning how to how to how to stay with the. Uh, you know, with, 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 with Brett Favre and his offense, he learned a lot from working with Doug Peterson. So he's also started his career. So he's a guy we definitely can't say no to X's and O's of being a good coach, but he's also a guy that can rely on as far as, you know, being able to get that wealth of information that he has from being that type of player, coach, um, whatever you want to call it while he was at Green Bay. It's interesting that you bring up uh, Darrell Bevel's name because there's a lot of people that, me myself included, uh, when you have – Essentially, when you have Peterson in your back pocket here, of why not just wait for McDaniel's? Why not wait for Bevel? Maybe they're around this week to kind of talk to. But as far as the process for you, Barrett, what did you think of that? And uh, are, are, I, I get the sense that the Eagles are trying to sell this thing really, really hard, uh, despite the awesome tidbits information you just gave us. But do you think that this was the best approach and the best hire here? 
Oh, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of nepotism in this in this pick. You know, I mean, it's it's a fake bet. I think that you know, if you look at it, Mr. Lurie has a lot of faith and a lot of trust still left in Andy Reid. So why not go to a guy that, that Andy Reid, you know, puts a stamp of approval on? If, if, if you know, if Lurie had his brothers, you know, to still be Andy Reid as the head coach, he'd have been Owen 16 just as long as Andy's the coach, he'd be all right with it. But there was a change that had to take place, so he had to pull the trigger. He loves Andy Reid, and so because of that, he's going to want to bring in a guy that, you know, a disciple of the offense, a guy that he really trusts. And why not go with a guy that he knows a little bit, has been in the organization a little bit. Barrett, uh, along those lines with that, as someone who has spent so much time in and around the NFL, it's so incestuous, it seems, from team to team, and everyone's helping everybody else out and advice and stuff. Why is it okay as as someone who's obviously, uh, you know, been around the NFL but not, you know, been a part of a team in that way or, or played or coached, why is it okay? that a head coach of one of only 32 teams in the league is is seems to be the main or at least one of the main advisors on another team's head coaching search. Why is that okay? It's, it's, a, it's a fraternity, man. It's, it's definitely a fraternity, war, a good old boy system, whatever you want to call it. Coaches call other coaches. GMs call the other GMs. And owners call other owners. And in Jeffrey Lurie's standpoint, owners call ex-coaches of him. You know, he has, still has a lot of trust in him. So I mean, he, why wouldn't he go with a guy that he knows and has been in the organization a while? And plus, a big factor is he knows that his players are going to rely on him. He knows that his players are going to trust what he says. And, and that's why he did it. You know, Doug Peterson will be a player's coach. He understands what it is to be a player. Players will gravitate towards him. I don't know how he's going to be. All the way as far as being a leader, uh, leader in the locker room, because I know on within the offensive side of the ball and in, that, in, the, in, in, in the quarterback room, he's one of the best guys you can get in any system. You know, I mean, the coaches and players love him. But from the other side of the standpoint, is he going to bring in some guys that can really run defense? Is he going to be able to rely on the defensive coordinator, you know, defensive bass coach? Those are all things that we got to think about, and he has to think about. If he brings in a solid group of coaches like Andy did, I think he'll be all right. Um, you'll never find a guy that's going to be more prepared. He'll definitely be very prepared. He'll understand what he has to do. This is just going to be a new journey for him. You know, he didn't do too much, at, you know, with Kansas City as far as calling plays. You know, that kind of scares me a little bit. He was on a team last year that no receiver scored a touchdown the whole period of last year. That kind of got some, has me worried also. But, I mean, you're not going to find a better coach as far as being prepared, understanding the offense, and understanding what it is to be a player coach. He'll be that guy. Barry, you brought it up yourself, talking about the coordinators he's going to surround himself with. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot of names. We've heard guys who were former head coaches in the league and Childress and Petten and, and Schwartz and all these names. A, uh, you know, have you heard anything or, or do you know any of these guys that you know from your experience? Uh, you know, who would be your choice here and, and who do you think it's going to ultimately end up being both at the OC and the DC position? Man, it's just as up in there and everything. That's one thing they're keeping hush hush a little bit as far as um, what direction they're going. I mean, I heard Brad Childress, but why bring him? He's a he's more of a uh, uh, what is it? What do they call it? A spread spread, a spread game office. analyst or something. <laughs> That's what I call myself when I walk to the bar. Actually, That's what you know? they come up with something just so they can give you a check. It's like, hey, what can we call this guy? That's unbelievable. You know that he, they don't even know what. Uh, what what position? You know, Kansas City still doesn't know what position they um he, he 
It's inside that office. Yeah, that's you know, insane. So, I mean, that's, that's crazy, you know. But um, other than that, you know, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Lovey Smith, um, you know, the guy that they could still potentially bring in as a coordinator. I hope they don't close the door. You know, that's one of the problems I have with this whole picking situation that they didn't go through an interview and exhaust all options, you know. Um, Andy Reid, I mean, uh, Jeffrey Lurie said he was going to do, he was going to exhaust all, all options. Well, he didn't see and he didn't talk to or he didn't consider talking to any defensive guy, Lovey Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, come on now. At least give a guy an opportunity to, to, to have a chance to talk to you, sit down, and then give him a game plan. You know, at this point, he just didn't, he just didn't do it. So well, I guess they were Barry, pretty happy along, with him anyway. Along that real quick, just, just like you just said, I mean, in addition to that, three of those guys, two of them were in-house, and the other was Peterson, who they knew. They essentially only went out and interviewed three guys who weren't a part of the organization or a guy they knew really well. I mean, how does that rub you as, as, a, as a, you know, a former player, as someone who, you know, cares about the Eagles, loves the Eagles? How does that rub you that, that Laurie comes out? And, and obviously, I'm sure behind the scenes, they had a list of candidates and they narrowed it down and all that kind of crap doesn't it bug you that they interviewed three guys who they didn't already know well well you know what that's I mean that's what I'm saying it was like a scramble drill who's um Gaze is the only guy outside the organization that they really talked to and gave an opportunity to really um interview for the job uh you know I mean I, I know they said that they you know were going to get the Giants coach and they were really gonna you know give him a fair shake but I, I doubt seriously if they were really considering going in and getting him you know I mean seriously uh, those guys, you know, you would have to pay top dollar for, and it—I don't know. I mean, I—I I, I just didn't see. I mean, I just didn't see. Everybody's hiring from within. Everybody's hiring from within. You know, look at Tampa Bay. You look at the Texans. You look at the New York Giants. They're going with comfort picks and more so than uh, who's qualified for the job, as we can see thus far. Uh, I asked uh, Brandon this, and obviously we we're talking about with uh, Barrett Brooks. You can catch him on uh, Breakfast on Broad right here on 97.5 The Fanatic. Uh, you were uh, one of the Bradford championers just like I was, and you know, to kind of give this thing some time. Uh, do you think a guy like Bradford would fit well with Doug Peterson or Brad Childress or however they kind of manage this thing, and has, I, I don't know, has this changed your mind at all about him staying around for three, four years, whatever they kind of decide on here? Well, they're going to have to pay him to do it, but he would be the best option for this team to go and, and press forward. He's going to run a West Coast offense just like he ran here this year, even though it was Chip Kelly's offense. It was all the uh, all the tight end plays and the quick pace. I mean, not the quick pace, but the quick short routes and things of that nature are all West Coast orientated with Shermer. Um, so it'll still be a comfort level with Bradford if he did come back because it'll, be, it'll still be the same kind of terminology, same offensive sets, it would just be running at a different pace. Shermer is a West Coast guy. He, he ran it with uh, Andy when he was here. And um, I, I think that, you know, Sam could have a little a little conf- uh, confidence that he can run the same offense and, and uh, familiarity of, of running this West Coast offense here with him. So it's still a viable, viable option for him to come back. He would be the best option to come back. It's just bad that he's the number one off-season guy that everybody's going to be looking for from the quarterback position and free agency period to get on a team. Yeah, speaking of those guys, a guy we've heard the name uh, a few times both today and, and over, you know, since Peterson's rumor came out is the uh, maybe he's going to bring Chase Daniel with him. You've watched a lot of Chase Daniel both in the NFL when he's played and, and back at Missouri as well. Uh, what do you think of Chase? Is that like a, you know, is he one of those, you know, uh, we're not going to say he's a, uh, a future star, but is he an undiscovered potential, you know, guy who can play the quarterback position in the league or is it more of a, you know, but you know, I, I know it's just like that hot no. backup. That's what, that's where I was going. No, 
No. <laughs> no uh, yeah, Chase that's what I figure as well. No, no. no. He's, he, Chase is a good guy. Chase is a um, – He's a pretty good athlete also, but as far as him being a starter in the league, no, nah, he's 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 along the lines of being the second hand, second rate uh probably Sanchez you know, if you if you really want to be honest. It's like Alex Smith um, light, right? He, exactly. You know, he's kind of the same same guy in in, in essence, you know. So uh I, I don't see Chase being a guy that can come in and be a starter in this league. Uh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to draft early, early, early and bring somebody in that they can nurture along and and then and put him in a position where later on and during his, his his career he'll be a starter. But at this point, you have to go with Sam Bradford. He's the only real option as far as being a starter in this league and being a viable starter that can potentially uh, take you to the playoffs and take you to that next level. Uh, Barrett, last one for you, for you and everyone again. Barrett Brooks, uh, thank you for uh, coming on with us, Barrett. Uh, Barrett, follow him on Twitter at bbrooks72 and uh, uh, TC, uh, TCN. Is that right, Barrett? Yes, sir. There TCN, it is. Uh, TZN. And then, of course, watch my breakfast on Broad. Uh, last question. Uh, we all did the post game together when the, the Washington game, and, and, you know, we were tearing Chip apart, tearing the team apart, all that stuff. Uh, Chip gets the job in San Francisco. Uh, a, what do you think about him going out there? I, I know you were down on him here based on the locker room. What do you think with him with a second chance and, and relating it back to the Eagles? Do you think that Chip getting the job out there kind of. Uh, you know, m- move this process along. It did seem like we kind of heard Doug Peterson's name come out very soon after Chip got that that Niner show. Yeah, I knew it was going to be like this. I knew once the once the first coach signed, when Gay signed, it'd be almost like a free for all, and you know these chips will start falling into place after that. Um, you know, and, and you know people are going to start scrambling. That's I think that's what the Eagles did. You know, they knew they had him in the back of their back pocket. They knew they had you know uh, uh, the, the ability to sign. Because nobody else wanted to interview him anyway, so they could sign Doug at any point. I just looked out and the aspect that they should have interviewed uh, a couple more candidates, you know, and 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 not pick so fast. Almost like they scrambled. It's almost like a Smith pick, you know, Marcus Smith pick. They scrambled and and, and signed the guy that they really didn't have to sign. Now they could have went through the interview process, but I mean, they they have their guy. I will say this. Chip didn't learn anything in, in 17, 18 days that he wouldn't have a job. He didn't learn how to how to talk to people. He didn't learn how to relate to people. He didn't learn what it is to have social skills that, you know, people outside of football can get along with them. Um, secretaries, people to clean the building, um, you know, front office people. These are all people, too. These are people that you have to be able to relate to. That you have to understand that they are here. They're there to help you and make you a better coach. And for him to think that he can just snug his nose at them or, or, or not speak to them or walk down the hallway and, 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 you know, look at them like they're inferior, he definitely didn't learn any of that in the, in the 17, 18 days he didn't have a job. So I don't understand what – the 49ers are doing they essentially got the same guy that they had in Harbaugh. It's just Harbaugh, a better person, a better people person than even Chip Kelly is. So they're <laughs> yeah. going to have a lot to learn within the next couple of months, you know, on whether Chip Kelly is their guy and how they're going to go forward. Because same thing he said when he got here, uh, I'm just a coach. I don't care who you put out on the field, you know, bring in whoever you want to, pay you whoever you want to. I'm going to just coach these guys. It's gonna say it's gonna change again because you know a zebra never loses his stripes. It'll be the same stripes. It'll be the same person as he pushes forward. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll be definitely keep an eye on San Francisco, and there's gonna be a lot of probably a lot of back and forth depending on how that starts next year. Barrett, we appreciate your time, man, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks a lot, man. You guys have a good one. All right. You too. Just Sunday morning. All right. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, just yeah. I don't know. We haven't talked about that much, but it's kind of. 
I don't know. I don't know what uh, San Francisco is essentially thinking. I know that. Look, a, a big part of it. For, well, first, Tom of all, Gamble. A, a lot of that's there, but what I think a lot of people don't understand either, probably because it wasn't heavily reported. There was, I mean, there was a lot more teams in San Francisco out there asking for a service. So what? What does that say about them? You know, I, it's it's it, it's kind of interesting how I I think people. I don't know. I think the the situation that was still here. And look, I don't want to go down this road 5,000 times, but it's it's an interesting kind of road to take uh, for San Francisco with, you know, with Jed York there and, and having that situation and having a bad locker room. Look, like Colin Kaepernick wasn't really respected in that locker room anyway. I think they were all dogging him in there. So it's kind of, a, I don't know, it's a weird scenario. Well, it makes the NFC West a little more interesting oh, for yeah. sure now that the Rams are in Los Angeles. Well, but. I don't, I, I read, just read some, I think it was on MMQB, one of the, the guest writers they have or whatever, just say that, that the NFL is better with Chip Kelly in it. And I agree with that because he does things differently and, and it starts to kind of, you know, change things. But yeah, he had to go here. I, I think, who knows? I think he's a smart dude. He might learn from it. I, I think there's a good chance he could be successful out there. I, I, he showed he can coach. Barrett brought up a great point. It's, it's is he going to go out there and again say, well, I think I need to, you know, I think I need to control how this is kind of put together a little bit more uh, from a personnel standpoint and all that. Bulky, a strong personality. You could see that kind of getting a, he did it a little contentious there. But, yeah, no, I think it's a... <laughs> I think it's an interesting hire. I, look, I, I think it's out of the box. I think, look, he, he we went 26 and 21. I mean, you get why he got hired again. And again, also with Gamble there, I think that Gamble oh, really kind of greased yeah. the, and also was able to say, oh, that's not really what it was like there. Uh, it was this I was hearing. And also, I mean, look, it's whether it's where you get your stories, where the information's coming from, but how many quotes have we seen this week from people being like, oh, you know, Chip was the best guy I ever worked with, or oh, <laughs> yeah, like you know, the best coach, you know, yeah, 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 we're hearing all the other stuff on the way out, and then he goes somewhere else, and you hear the, ah, oh, he's the best guy, he's so easy to work for, great, great leader, whatever, it's it's just so, which is know, par for the course with really course, anything, you get of rid of Andy, you hear all the good things about Chip, yeah. uh, well, and the only thing I'll, I'll disagree with Barrett on is, like, we have seen zebras change their stripes in the yeah, NFL, yeah, no question, Bill hey, Belichick, you know, you know for one, and I, obviously that's Pete a pop, popular answer. I'll just say Andy Reid. I don't know. If, I don't know, especially if he's changed anything. I think that people said, "Yeah, he's done and move on." Um, you know, the same. But he, he I guess in that regard, in Kansas City, the something. Same, the same welts and the same zebras are still there. Of, yeah, of clock look, management, all that other it's, stuff. It's, I agree that in a sense, you're not going to change your core person of who you are. But I think you can adjust. I think you can change. I think if you're a smart person, you can learn from something and get better at it. Especially again, going back to the experience thing. The dude had zero experience coming into the NFL. I think that you saw, like, clock management. He stunk it at that first year, Chip. And then he got better. He was decent as far as clock management went for the most part. So, you know, I think you can learn and adjust. But I think the question is, can that core kind of person who can't really deal with other people and, and interact, can that change? Well, and speaking of that, I mean, there's some, I mean, it looks like he's just getting the band back together. Jerry's followed him out there yeah. uh, this morning. I think there was a couple of people that have already tweeted out that Ryan Day and Bob Bicknell. <laughs> what? No, no How does Bob Bicknell have a job? I have no idea. How could it possibly go wrong? So, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, Tory Smith already can't catch yeah. the ball. It's not going to be even better with Bob helping him there. Uh, so, it, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how that kind of pans and, and tweaks out there. You know, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's an interesting set. I think they have an offensive line out there. 
<laughs> so I think uh, there's a difference great. here. They, I well, think they what jo- they have with uh, at pick seven, they could go a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I know we should get off of this and start to, uh, talking about the Eagles more, but I have a feeling that they're going to take my favorite wide receiver this draft. Laquan. Yeah, the, the Treadwell from uh, Mississippi so State. So, so that's good. one of those guys. Well, let's, let's go back to Mike and Marlton and see what we can come up with here. Mike, what's going on this morning? How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good morning, man. Mike. Good. Um, I'm good. I heard a um, caller say that um, – Jeffrey Lurie, he was concerned like that Jeffrey Lurie might be in it for the money, and he's... Yeah, that was silly. Well, for, that was first silly. of all, we, we everyone's in it for the money. Yeah, so that's let's true. Get no, that's no, no, I, get that, I, yeah. I disagree with him, because seriously, I think he wants to win. Here's the thing. I think um, we're overcomplicating things. I think it comes down to good luck, fortune, and hiring the right people to draft or somehow get the right quarterback. I think that here's the thing. Eagles, they've never won a Super Bowl ever. And I think it's because, let's simplify it, their greatest quarterback they've ever had is Donovan McNabb. And I think it's as simple as that. I bet if they had Tom Brady, they would have won a Super Bowl. You're talking Chase Daniels, stop it. Like, well, we're not talking him as a guy that's going to be good. We're talking about him as a potential quarterback next year, Mike, because it's a legitimate thing. But okay. but I'm with you. Look, I, I I agree with what you're saying. I do think that, you know, I think we've said how many times on this show and on this station, a, a quarterback, you know, that that's what you need. You need a quarterback to win. There, Everything else, you know, has to be involved, but you need a guy who can get it done. But I, I, it goes back to what I was saying before, Mike, about it being a public trust. Yeah, I mean, I... He wants to win, he, but he also wants to stay relevant. And, and he needs to think about this fan base. He needs to think about what he is doing as part of owning a public trust, as a, as a responsibility to the fan base. And I, I think that really has to factor in, Mike. I, I hear you, but um, if, he, if they win, then we love Jeffrey Lurie. It comes down to that, and I think it all – listen, in baseball, you get Barry Bonds on, the, on your team – you might not win because you need pitching, you need defense, you need everything. But if you have if you have the right quarterback, everyone all of a sudden thinks that Jeffrey Lurie is a genius, that the offensive coordinator is calling the right plays, the defense. Oh, sure, yeah, that happens, it, it, that happens it a It actually ton. changes everything once you get that right guy. Now, I don't know who that guy is, but that's, that's the thing we got to um, – Really, it doesn't matter who, and yeah, it matters who your coach is, but if, until the right quarterback comes onto this team, we're not going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, uh, well, and I, I agree with uh, everything. I mean, as far as, like, the only other debate that you could have is between Brady and Belichick, and I'd probably take Belichick 10 out of 10 it's, times. Yeah, I, uh, it's but, like the, it's the weird, you know, but they're both great, too, is the boy. <laughs> you don't want to take away. That's well, why I hate a, that debate, a, you know. No, you get a GM, you get a yeah. head coach, you get an and, offensive defensive and coordinator. So, I think someone actually just asked me on me Twitter, uh, 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 one game, Hoodie or Brady, who do you take? And I was like, you can't. I mean, it, there's so many other factors in yeah. context. You can't just choose a coach versus a quarterback, you know, who's coaching the quarterback, who's quarterbacking for the coach. Uh, but, yeah, it's that interesting always, you know, what's the most important? Is it the, the coach or the GM? And, and I'm, or, excuse me, or the quarterback? And I'm actually leaning towards starting to believe that I think the GM might be the most important <laughs> out of all of it. Uh, well, especially that, yeah. I mean, they look at Pete Carroll's success with, I mean, he literally hit, they those guys hit on every single draft pick. 
That yeah, entire you know, secondary was built Every out of... Every single draft you know, pick. Earl Thomas was the only high pick. The rest were all later round picks. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, well, Sherman was a fifth. What was Chancellor? He was a later pick. I mean, all these guys were were not, you know, uh, about our own Byron Maxwell yeah. was a fifth round pick. You know, it's just not... Uh, they've been amazing at, at, at finding that type of talent later in the draft, and especially look, yeah. secondary. And the quarterback is the simple answer. It will always be the simple answer. But when you look at even just last night with... I mean, you had Aaron Rodgers absolutely trying to win that football game for them. Um, you had Mike McCarthy, who for, I think, the the fifth time out of seven playoff appearances, I think that was the stat that I read. Yeah, it was last night. Yeah. Has lost on the final play. Which is crazy. That's insane. How insane is that? Um, and when you have guys, and this is this is where kind of, and, and Mike McCarthy to me, and I think I brought it up at the beginning of the show, is where that's where I kind of get concerned with this thing is, first, we, as a fan base, we made fun of, Mike McCarthy, because he was taking, he's like, okay, what can I do? Maybe I'll have somebody else play the calls. And then a month ago, he goes, you know what? No, I'm, I I need that back. Um, we make fun of Jason Garrett because he claps and throws footballs. That's really only what we know about him. It's the same with all these guys that it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, but he really puts a game plan together. We don't know that because a lot of the a lot of success or quote-unquote success Came from Dez, came from Romo, sure. and came from Scott Linehan, who's gone, and came yeah. from a bunch of and other guys that were around him. Bruce well, Callahan was there. Yeah. I mean, Bill Callahan, excuse me, as yeah. the O-line coach before he went to Washington. He was right. probably the, the positional coach of the year this year when he did that, that Washington O-line. Oh, yeah, for Great. sure. And then defensively, Rod Marinelli's probably the best, at least in terms of coaching up his guys, getting the most out of guys. The best defensive that, coach in the league. Before they had those guys in there, it was it was garbage. Like yeah. We all made fun of that. So I, I, I there is an importance to, again, we're all what we've been saying. I think there's validity to as far as the coordinators that you surround this guy with. Uh, that's going to be very important moving sure. forward. It's just the same thing where you're just like, man, oh man, everything that this it's, and again, it, I want to emphasize this enough. It is not Doug Peterson. That's not who I'm really criticizing here. It's because not his fault. He could, yeah, he could become uh I don't know. He could become that that sparkling oh, why don't we say, joy. Why don't we say the next Andy Reid? Because that's uh, kind of what they're going for, right? I don't think he's that. But anyway, we'll get into more of this. Uh, of course hey, he's not. I, I tell you what, if you have a birthday today, you are in some good company. And we'll get into that uh, after the break. It's uh, John Barchard and James Elter on BGN Radio right here on 97.5 The Fanatic. Le Hill, the her. Miss Universe 2015, Columbia! You're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. I'm gonna float like a butterfly and sing like a bee. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Travis, you are not. Yeah! Yeah! What? It's BGN Radio, 97.5 yeah. The Fanatic. How about that, you know, little montage? And your uh, So why are we playing all these things? It's because if your birthday was today, now look, my dad just had his birthday, my niece's uh, birthday's coming up here, but today is the gem of all today, gems. man. Okay. Everybody you just heard. <laughs> Jim Carrey, 54 today. Steve Harvey, 59 today. Betty White, 94 today. Muhammad Ali, 74. James Earl Jones, 85. Maury Povich, Little John uh, in, uh, you know. And there are more. We didn't yeah, get to. plenty more. But uh, Ben Franklin would have been 310, so that's a good one. Died too early. Kid Rock, 45. Right? Zoe Deschanel, 36. Dwayne Wade, 34. Michelle Obama, the first lady, 52. So, yeah, was, and there's more and more. that like, It wasn't enough to fit in We there. couldn't even fit on one page. I do have one one. 
one little thing here. Oh, okay. Uh, it's Steve Harvey's birthday, and, and Andrew's got to go and bring up the worst moment of the guy's life. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean it's a, poor dude. It's either that or family feud. I'll take you know, it's, I, I don't know. What about the Steve Harvey show? Come on, guys. Yeah, not to, uh, not to what, uh, Willard Scott, everybody did. We just thought it was interesting this morning, but, um, you know, it's kind of uh, Lombo and uh, Mosher are coming in, and we're just kind of shooting this back and forth, and it's. You know, we we talked about Chip Kelly being in San Francisco, and it, look, it's been it's been you know we've been speculated about it. Sure, he wants um, consistency. There's a good. I mean, if, if it's in, in anyone's doubt, is there if he doesn't get signed, if they don't even tag him and let him walk, obviously, isn't that where he ends up? Yeah, that or Houston, I think. I think those are the, the two most obvious spots for Bradford. Houston, because of the fit and the need. We don't know if Bill O'Brien really likes him or not. He might not be, but you would just based on the the physical stuff, the the look, the size, the the type of offense that Bradford is suited for. Houston seems like a fit and a need, but uh, and a team that's trying to win is kind of on the the cusp in their eyes at least. So yeah, but San Francisco, if what was the one thing that Bradford said? He was he said he was upset that Chip got fired. He wants consistency. So sure. I uh, so I wonder if the same thing that ha- that you know Chip Kelly did to a lot of the Howie guys. And I think at this point we can obviously say that Marcus Smith was a Howie guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I start to think, well, is Howie going to do the same thing? And just if you know, if they can trade Josh Huff, go for it. If they can trade like any of these guys, oh god, not, not so, that I know what you mean though. Yeah, not that, just get that rid of all the chip guys and kind of maybe do the same thing and kind of rebuild it in his eyes and just kind of go back and forth here. You know, we talk about that. That's what I'm saying with the just give me the opposite. Give me the 4-3 over the 3-4. Yeah. Why? Yeah, because the 3-4 and this thing didn't, didn't work while we were here and blah, 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 and the defense got tired and all that stuff. So, you know, and Vinnie Curry. Don't the, forget. It's all, it's we're all basically, about Vinnie Curry. Everything is about fitting Vinnie Curry in. And, well, that's interesting, too, because, like, you know, I've, I've heard, like, well, what do you do with Marcus Smith at that point? You put him at defensive end? I don't know. Put They're him t- at inside you know, linebacker? Connor Barwin's going to play defensive end in that scheme. Yeah, you know, he's going to have to. <laughs> that's what, I mean, I, I agree. He's I think out. From a per- and, and I said this before. I, I'll play whatever defense fits my personnel in my mind, but I, I do think it all signs point to the fact that it's going to be a 4-3 one way or another. But we were having an interesting conversation with Lombo about the quarterback position and, and the potential of, of drafting one this year, the next year, whatever. And and personally, in my mind, and, and I don't want to give up any year of football or, or whatever because I'm 34 and I've never won anything in my life, anything of substance. And, uh, you know, you only get so many chances and, and who knows? Life is short. But uh, I, I don't want Lynch. I don't want Goff. I don't want Wentz. I, I mean, who knows about Wentz, but I really don't want to spend a first round pick this year on it. I almost, you know, and I don't want them to lose. I can never root for them to lose. But if they go 2-14 and 14 and they get Deshaun Watson in 2017, I'm, in. I'm, I'm so okay with that. If you told me right now you could you could be the worst team in the NFL this year, lock number one pick, I'd give that up for Deshaun Watson. Once, 100%. I'd be right there. Because, you know, and if that's the case, they are going to, they're going to have to take a quarterback. And I don't, and the, the, the bad part about it, that is, is I, I think they're going to do that to her. Look, I, I know... I know that people have their guys every year. I know this this is like, oh, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. They have to do that. They're locked in. It eliminates that optionality. I'm going to say this right now. It'll probably look like a fool in March and April and probably in August. You probably will anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If Carson Wentz is there and available at 13, and so is Miles Jack, and they go Carson Wentz, that's going to be a humongous mistake. Yeah, Miles Jack. Because as as much as, and granted, we talked about it, the easiest thing, the most important thing on any football team is quarterback, Probably offensive line and defensive then whatever line, else. Sure. No, I think it's quarterback in the trenches. So I, I, I think that you are completely 
locking yourself into something that you don't necessarily need to do. Now, maybe they don't go that route, and maybe they take something even later in the third round or the you know multiple quarterbacks or whatever in the sixth and seventh and, and try and build something around that. But I, I, I don't know. That's I guess that's the other thing that scares me. If it is the recency bias, if it is, I just want to get rid of the, the philosophy and whatever was in here, which in some regards I think is an important thing to do, especially with – the player treatments and all that stuff that we've yeah, talked need, about. And a, and a, and as silly as it is, you need a culture change. You do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do think that at some point this will come back. And again, we, we mentioned this before Kelly even got fired. You're wasting two years of philosophy of of somebody's in, you know, mind. Of the way you've built a team. Yeah. So a lot of these guys are also kind of useless here. And if you're going to do this rebuild in full, and you know, I, I keep hating to say it. Then why is there not a fresh eyes with a fresh GM? Yes, fresh but that, that's staff? you don't have to hate to say it. That's the that's the main point of all of this. And we haven't really because we've been talking about the search for the last two weeks and and ripping it and and whatever. So we're kind of moving away or trying to focus on Peterson and and a lot of that. But yeah, the search was a complete and total disaster, a train wreck. I, I don't. You can't say it any other way. We've talked about it about interviewing six guys, three of which you knew already, two of which were in your building. That's not uh, you know exhausting all options. As, as, you know, Barrett Brooks quoted Jeffrey Lurie saying, uh, you know, it just didn't feel like a uh, an exhaustive or well-planned or, you know, a, a, a pragmatic, uh, you know, structured approach. It just felt panicked. It felt reactive. From the moment the firing happened, it felt reactive. It felt like a reaction to the, to the outcry, to the team, to the locker room, to the, to the this, to the that. And ever since then, even though they claim to get their head start and to, to be out in front of this, it, it's literally felt panicked and rushed. And there's been nothing about it that has felt organized or prepared. Yeah. And and the other thing that I want to just emphasize here is it's like I don't – I think it'll be good for the fans at least to see uh, the accountability yeah. as far as what's drafting and what Howie's taking here. I think he's in a, in, a, in a decent spot here. When you're not in the 20s, it obviously makes things easier. You can still screw that up. Curious to get your thoughts on this, though. I don't think it's uh, – people are starting to say, well, at least there's accountability. Yeah, maybe for us to understand, like, okay, what does what is Howie's philosophy? What is he really drafting? Does it look like he was responsible for 2012, 11, blah, 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 blah. So there's been so many gray areas there. Even when Chip was here, do you really think that Laurie would move on from him even if this thing fails and tanks? It's a, it's a great question. I said last night yes, and, and I've been thinking about it. And I look, that in my mind, the – only thing that I like about this Doug Peterson iron, the only thing is the fact that it makes Howie Roseman a lot more accountable than he has been. And he has to be looked at as as he's in charge of this franchise for Christ's sake. I mean, that's where we're at. You know, he is in charge. So uh, this is his guy. And whether or not he really is a yes man, we've heard enough people come on this station, enough people come out and say that, you know, at least allude to that, that they wanted to find someone who could play nice with Howie. So if that's all the case and, and, uh, look, I don't know, because I don't know what strange, mystical power Howie Roseman has over Jeffrey Lurie, because he does. <laughs> he's got some sort of power over this guy. So I don't know. I can't say that if it fails, Howie's gone. But, I mean, if you, if you, if this Peterson hire, which has been uh, engineered, steered, made in Howie's image, really, the coach to work with Howie, if that doesn't work, I don't know how you could possibly keep Howie Roseman around and, and not just be uh, uh, subdued with outrage. See, here's where I go. I think he's got at least one more coach. No! No, don't say that! Yeah, because if you just, like, I, I know we want to think that this is what Howie Roseman is doing and... and 
this he kind of led the search. He didn't lead the search. Lori was called. Lori was just as much as part of this as anything. Yeah, but he used the word collaborative. He used the word, you know, whatever. I think he would completely have to screw the draft up for for that to be. Right, I, I think there's a bunch of front office restructuring that would happen. I think Howie survives another coaching search, though. I, if this I, goes wrong. Look, I think it all depends on how it goes wrong, and and obviously if the talent on the team is awful, and and that's part of the reason for the failure. Sure, but even still, I don't know how you can't make Howie accountable for this. Even if in Jeffrey's mind, even if Jeffrey is the one who, who you know really wanted Peterson or whatever, the fact that he could get along with Howie was a major reason that he's bringing this guy in. How does that not play in moving forward? How do you not look at that and say, you know, I did this for Howie. You're going to go work with Howie, and then it's not going to work out too well. Assuming, you know, we're saying this is a hypothetical, even though Chip doesn't do hypotheticals, we will. A hypothetical that it doesn't work out. I really don't know how Lori can come back and, and even pretend to tell this fan base that Howie Roseman is still involved. Well, yeah, and, and I think we, you know, we got caught up with this week. It's just like, oh, well, you know, they did this because the, the, the pressure from the fan base. It's not from pr- pressure from the fan base at all. They hated each other. Everybody, you know, there was there was two sides to this thing. That's why a lot of the times you're hearing like, "Well, yeah, I, I play for the owner." I'm sure that they played a big part in that too. They were they were just as much a part of this locker oh, yeah. room split than than everybody. Everybody knew that they were fighting since since day one, since last January. Who was it? Lane Johnson, I think, came yeah. out and actually said that and well, said, you "Hey, know it's there. we hear it's it. Hard. We know this stuff is going on. We're not, you know, we're not deaf." You know, and, and that and that filters down. That has a, I mean, you know, if you're at the top of whatever organization it is, and we're talking about a billion-dollar-plus football franchise, uh, but whatever organization you're talking about, whether it's 97.5 The Fanatic, whether it's, you know, where Matt Lombardo works as well at NJ.com or where it's wherever it is, there is always a structure, and the, and it comes down from the top. And when there is uh, distrust or, or you know, uh, confusion or, or whatever, tumult at the top of that organization, it is going to filter down and it's going to play a role. It's going to impact it. There's no way it can't. Yeah, uh, and the one thing that is slightly off topic, but the one thing I don't want to hear about Roseman or or anyone else really, that especially Lori. And this gets, I don't know why it gets tossed around so much, but like they attack the fact that he's Jewish, and I see it on Twitter. I see, I hear it on on some kind of phone calls. I hear like code words for it. Has nothing to do with any of that. I'm Jewish. Can I just throw that out there? I <laughs> too, to do like how he am Jewish. So uh, yeah, I, I hate that. And it's non-football guys actually work out a lot in this in this. Well, there I mean, are a lot of Jews. Percentage-wise, n- not so much. I don't even care about well, the Jew thing. No, but no, I just but say- just in general, when you look at it percentage-wise in terms of people who work in, in sports front offices, there are a fair amount, percentage-wise, of how many Jews are actually out there. There's a fair amount of them who are, you yeah, know, comparatively working in like, business. You know, there's a lot of comparisons to a lot of, like, weird stuff. Or, you know, he's cheap or whatever. I think that, that kind of comes up all the time. I don't, I don't believe that at all. But, um, uh, hey, I tell you what, uh, we've got Crossing Brock coming up um, himself, uh, Mr. Kyle Scott, in about uh, three or four minutes here. But uh, shifting it back, I just want to – it's interesting that even last night, you know, you had people kind of pumping up Doug Peterson after this is all kind of coming through mm-hmm. here. And uh, Jeremy Macklin was an endorser, you know. Jeremy Macklin was one of the guys that had come out and said, you know what, uh, they're really getting a good one here. And I know there was a lot of back and forth. Andrew, do you have that audio from last night by any chance? Because uh, I, I think there's – I think there's a couple of things that were you know, a couple of takeaways uh, from there. Here's Jeremy Macklin from last night. Uh, I think big time. You know, I think uh, just his knowledge of the, of the game and being able to uh, understand the personalities inside the locker room and, and uh, the guys that he's dealing with. I think that's that's a big key component there. 
Uh, yeah, that's courtesy from uh, Martin Frank, one of his articles on uh, Delaware Online there that got that audio. And I think there was a couple, but I think we, McLean might have been down there, too. Oh, yeah. That we, Berman was down there, yeah. too. So. Well, when you're a town that has like a thousand beat writers, you know, definitely. I mean, that's what's so funny is going from KC, and I know that Doug knows it here and stuff like that, but going from KC, the KC media to the Philly media is a very different animal. Yeah, for, uh, very, for sure. very different animal. Well, yeah, and I don't know if that, that's the other th- funny thing about the, you know, chipping at San Francisco. I don't think they're much different than than here, especially some of the guys that are out there and, you know, Ray Rotto and uh, Tim and all those guys. Uh, Matt Mayoko. I mean, it's a pretty good, yeah. it's a pretty good crew, but, but definitely not the throng, not as many as there were, yeah. you know, as well, there they're are covering here. two teams out there as well. So yeah. And a lot of cases they are as well, but yeah, no, it's look, it's uh it's just like, it's one of those things where uh, I don't nobody care. has an answer on anything and, right and now. And, and here's my point is Jeremy Macklin played for this guy this year. I don't, I don't, honestly, I love Jeremy. I really do. I, I, I appreciate everything he did here. I, I root for him in the future, but I don't care what he has to say about Doug Peterson. <laughs> of course he's going to say that. Of course he's going to come out and say, oh, he's a crappy coach. I can't believe he got the job. Good luck. No, he's going to come out and say, yeah, he's a great dude. Everyone loves him. He's great with people in the locker room. What else do you expect that guy to say? Yeah. And what, and as far as that goes, and as much as, you know, like Adam Kaplan is one of the most tuned in guys here and I love watching on NFL insiders and even when he's here with Joe DeCamera on the station but what what why would he say anything bad at this point you know there's he's got Jaws and he's got Bill Polian that he's got to see every day so if he goes yeah I think it's really silly to ask these guys opinions like I don't think that there's I think there's obviously there's going to be a bias everywhere no matter no matter what you hear positive or negative like and it's just it is just so hard to try and get everything here together as far as something tangible, that's the issue. Oh, that's yeah. the problem moving forward. We're going to hang on every single word that Doug Peterson says in this press conference. We're going to hang on the, however that, Jeffrey that, Lurie phrases something or Howie Roseman phrases yeah. something, and it's just going to be this ponic, you know, yeah, twitching. We're going to be p- p- breaking it down. And <laughs> yeah. how many gosh and G's and G Willikers are we going to hear in the press conference from Doug? And yeah, it's it. Look, it's you know, we're right now we're just in the stages of trying to come to grips with this, trying to come to grips with the fact that that. That, uh, you know, when you're told that you're getting a new coach in this coaching search and after the whole chip thing, you know, you're you're basically told that you're going to get a guy who you have very little faith in is going to be able to succeed at the, at the you know, at the job he's being put into. I, I don't know how you couldn't be pessimistic or or down about it. And, and we're going to find out what someone else has to say about it now. That's right. Uh, we welcome on the Comcast business line, uh, the, you know, the uh, overall, the blogosphere king, I guess we can call him. Uh, Mr. Kyle Scott from Crossing Broad right now. What's going on, Kyle? How are you this morning? Oh gosh, guys! This this is just so great. You having me on the radio. I mean, I've never I've never been a radio host, and you guys just let me come on every week and do it, and I'm just so excited. Gee so Willikers, gee golly! Well, I know. Yeah, I mean, Kyle has obviously been very opinionated uh, this entire week as far as he feels about Doug Peterson, and uh, you know, we actually did a podcast together this week and had a lot of fun talking about it. But what uh, you know, what's your overall take on this thing, man? Well, I went to the gym yesterday during the first half of the game, and two drives really stood out to me. I think the Chiefs got the ball on the 38, and somehow the the masterful uh, offensive coordinating of Doug Peterson and the head coaching of Andy Reid couldn't manage to get them like six yards they would have needed to get in field goal range. In fact, they actually went backwards. I think they ran like a like a bubble screen to the tight end, and then uh, and then they I mean they they went backwards and they didn't get any points by starting on the thirty eight. And then uh, there was another drive where um, or even take the end of the game, the clock management. They get the ball with six minutes yeah, to go. Yeah, we talked and then, about that. 
I mean, come on, guys. Like, I can't. I can't even. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't that's make any and, and then people are tweeting me. They're saying, well, you know, if Doug doesn't call the plays, that's on Andy. I'm like, well, if he doesn't call the plays, then why do you hire him? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that's it, what I'm saying. It's, both ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's literally what we've been saying. No, I'm I'm with you 100. It's it's uh, it's hard to really pinpoint what this guy does and why they hired him, other than the fact that he's you know Andy Reid's endorsement. Uh, well, is and it that hair, that silver hair? <laughs> <laughs> he's I think a it's silver fox. Personally. Let's be real. That's true. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the the one thing that we don't know a lot about Doug Peterson, and it's not that exciting, but there are two very exciting football games on tonight and uh, or this afternoon i should say so let us get into the nfl picks hit me it's time to ring the bell and play some bets hey i don't want your money punching my money here come our nfl picks here comes the money here we go money talks here comes the money Well, uh, somebody in this room is already 2-0 from the weekend. If you listen to the BGN Radio podcast at BGN underscore radio, uh, thank you to the Packers for covering. Yeah, that was a weak cover, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, of course. And then we've got we've got some pretty interesting lines going on here. So, Mr. Sautunas, who are we starting with first? All right, game one, we're going to Carolina, where the Seahawks look to advance their third straight NFC championship game. Cam Newton and his island of uh, mis- misfit wide receivers <laughs> look to stop that and go to their first NFC Championship game since 2006. The Panthers are actually two and a half point favorites. See, this line has kind of shifted back and forth all league here. It, it opened at minus three. It actually dropped down to one and a half. And now today, just like Andrew said, it is at two and a half across the board here, Kyle. Who do you have on this one? Uh, this line scares me because it should it should be like higher for the Panthers. The fact that you're under three at home really worries me. Uh, the Seahawks have been playing well lately, had a really good end of the season. Uh, experienced playoff team, but I, I don't know. I, I think the, I don't think the Panthers get enough respect. Uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers, even though, despite what the line's telling me. I know that's against my beliefs, but I'll go with the Panthers. Now, Kyle, uh, uh, that's why we bring him on for, for the expert. <laughs> I don't really know which way to go here. No, I'm, I'm kidding, Kyle. Kyle Wright, way more often than I am. Last week, I got one over him, I think maybe for the first time this season. Uh, actually going to do the smart thing and agree with him here. I think the Panthers have been criminally underrated all season long. I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Cam Newton is the best player in football right now. So uh, I, I just think at home, I, I know that Seattle's playing really well, experienced, but that's a good defense, a good team, a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball. I, I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag him kind of fight, but I, I think the Panthers win and win by more than three. James, can you answer me this? Did, in fact, they have trouble against Minnesota in their defense? Yeah. Uh, so what are we talking about then? I mean, like that's the, I'm with all three of you guys. Yep. I don't understand the line at all. I know I, it's yeah. starting to scare the crap out of you. There, it's a home game. You got... Cam Newton has been playing out of his mind. You have a defense that wants to knock the snot out of everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm betting the mortgage yeah. on Carolina. No, I really feel that way, too. Especially at one and a half. Andrew, where are we heading to next? Next, we head to Denver, where the line's actually continuing to rise. The Broncos are seven and a half point favorites. But I'm going to give you a little help here. Thanks right. to uh, NFL and ESPN on Twitter. Peyton Manning is one and five in the postseason when the temperature at kickoff is 45 degrees or colder expected 38 degrees today. Well, see, and it's kind of back and forth here because, you know, maybe maybe Peyton can't throw, but uh, I know for sure that Ben is in his deep ball is probably not going to be there. You don't have Antonio Brown. There's a lot of things that are going against Pittsburgh here. Denver's got one of the toughest defenses in the land, if not the best in the league, but that's seven and a half. That's seven and a half. 
is way, way, way too high. Ring the bell! The Broncos are winning this game easy. There's only one person, I think, in the NFL, including non-quarterbacks, who could throw the ball further than, or who can't throw the ball further than Peyton Manning, and that's Big Ben right now. He is destroyed. He doesn't have Brown, doesn't have D'Angelo Williams. This defense is is really good. They might win it 10-0, but I, I, don't, I don't see Ben putting up Many points at all day. I think the Broncos win, and, and, it, and it's kind of easy. I'll take the cover. All right, Kyle, you're the uh, splitting difference. Is it uh, Denver or Pittsburgh today? Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Denver. I, I don't, I'm not super high on the Broncos, but like you said, um, Big Ben's beat up. Antonio, when the Steelers were so good the second half of the season, Antonio Brown was, was the, the largest part of that by far. Without him and with a banged-up Big Ben, and the fact that this line continues to move in the Broncos' direction as high as it seems, like everything is just flashing, like, no, 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 I know it's tough to go against the Steelers in the playoffs, all this, you know, I mean, good coaching. Big Ben always always puts up a fight, but, I mean, the fact that this keeps moving in the direction of the Broncos, uh, I'm going to, you got to go with the Broncos. Yes! Steal it. Too much for the Steelers to overcome. I, it, me and Kyle agreeing today, I love it. I love it. That means I'm going to be right. Let's hold hands. Yeah, there, oh my goodness. Kumbaya, we can be, we can open our hearts to this, Kyle. It'll be great. Uh, but no, and also, uh, sneakily, uh, Mike Tomlin, not a very good playoff coach. Uh, it makes some really, 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 coach period, actually, makes some really strange, strange in-game decisions. Again, another guy that doesn't call plays or, you know, just so, but has had success, so I guess that's kind of the silver lining here. I, Let's give it another over-under. I I guess reportedly Doug Peterson's probably going to get somewhere around four years. I would assume it's around the four to five million dollar mark. Let's set the over-under at two years here, Kyle. What are you taking right now? I know it's like all speculation. Are you taking the over or under on Doug Peterson fulfilling those at least two years? Well, see, I need a point five in there. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Kyle, the same thing. Yeah, make it two and a half. Two and a half. Under. See, wow. I, I, I go over, but I go three. If you gave me the under, I don't think he finishes the four-year contract. I, I think it'll be three, and only as a reaction to the, to the you know, we're trying to bring in someone for a long time and build something here kind of thing, and we're not going to overreact or, or base it on emotion again. Yeah, I think there's, I don't know, I think he's already got a built-in year already. I'm gonna. I think I might take the over oh, as well. No, I think I'll take yeah, the over because go he's, got a, he's, okay. got a, he's got a built-in year, uh, yeah. and then he's got another year where he can blame Roseman. And if they draft a quarterback, uh, yeah, he's a quarterback some, some, oh, whisperer, and he can time. develop him and all that. Really like what they're stuff. developing there in Philadelphia. Winning culture, <laughs> still not losing games. I could I totally real see quick, that. real quick. Along that winning culture line, we don't think about it a lot, but the Philadelphia Eagles, wouldn't you know it, are one of only seven teams in the NFL. Uh, who have not, or excuse me, one of 11 teams in the NFL who have not won a playoff game in the last seven years. Wow. So that means there are, what, 21 other teams in this league who have won a playoff game more recently than the Eagles. Yeah, that's uh, it's good. De- depressing. I know gold, we're not. Gold standard, <laughs> we're not. Um, you bring these great stats, and I was just going to ask you guys, do you think by the end of Peterson's two or three year stint here, if the silver hair is going to go gray or white? Oh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'll think uh, i take the over on white. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. silver become? I don't know. Is it, does it go gray or does it go white? I think, it, I think it goes white. I think it goes heavy white, like, you know, uh, Bill Clinton in office kind of white. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, Kyle, we appreciate it, man. We'll always be uh, checking out the blog, crossingbroad.com, uh, restarting the the Crossing Streams podcast, so uh, very interesting stuff there. Thanks a lot for hanging out, Kyle. We appreciate it.
Thanks, guys. Uh, and, you know, speaking of those type of things, the organization, as many as we've well linked, said. we've linked all this stuff. It yes. feels very flyers this very Paul Holmgren, yeah. you know, type of deal. Yeah. But and, it, and, and Hextall, yes. Yes, Hextall. Yes. Has, get, get the Eagles a Hextall, all yeah, right? They've nailed it out of the park. They're actually coming up tonight. They're probably taking on the uh, Red Wings at 730 right here on 97.5. The Fanatic, you'll have Tim. A little Tim revenge Coates, from the, what was it, 1994 yeah. Stanley Cup Finals? A little 96, revenge. We're getting yeah. them back, 96. Uh, yeah, but uh, an impressive, uh, I, well, not so impressive. The, the shootout killed him again last night against yeah, the Rangers. Yeah, bummer. But that ghost man, I'm telling you. It's they, fun. They, they fun found to watch. He brings excitement. They found their Brian Leach. Well, that's going to do it uh, for yes. uh, here on BGN Radio. We appreciate his hanging out. You, know you got Mosier, you got Lombo coming in yeah, in just a little buddy. bit. Great show. De- uh, definitely keep it locked. Good football talk coming uh, up for the next few hours. So for Andrew Seltunis, for Mr. James Elster, myself, John Barcher, we appreciate you listening to BGN Radio right here on 97.5 The Fanatic. Thank you, 97.5. You like that? No, God, please, no! I show my moves on the air, everybody trying to do it.